everyone, and welcome to Griplock Foundation Disc Golf Weekly Podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor and Connor. Joined a little virtually today, but we got a good episode today. We're going over Ledgestone, talk through our power ranking update, Trevor's trivia, Champions Cup, a little update there. Nico's suspension was finally announced, which caused some beef on Twitter, and then the Fierce documentary. It's going to be a good episode, but first, a word from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. It's back-to-school time, and we want to make sure that you pack the essentials to have the best year yet. The Manscaped fourth-generation performance package is just that. Be ready for whatever your da- is in your daily schedule this year. It's a perfect package for your package and includes the brand-new Lawnmower 4.0. Fellas, go for the valedictorian of ball trimming and join the six million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and using the code GRIPLOCK to get 20% off and free shipping. School is back, and the performance package 4.0 from Manscaped is here to teach the boys a lesson on male hygiene. Inside, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, crop reviver, ball toner, plus two free gifts, the performance boxer briefs, and the shed travel bag. Uh, this package includes everything you could ever want and more. The Lawnmower 4.0 will give you the confidence to do anything you desire. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edged ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Technology, I said that one weird. Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 7,000 RPM motor and a new multifunction on off switch that can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn on the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And on top of all of that, it's waterproof too. So you're not going to miss out on all this. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GRIPLOCKED at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code GRIPLOCKED over at manscaped.com. This year, graduate with a degree in clean balls from Manscaped. There you go. Dang. Connor, you you, you going for the degree? No, nah, I dropped out. Okay. I would not. Okay. Uh, Ledgestone. <laughs> let's get into Ledgestone here. Uh, let's just go straight through the results. Um, on FPO side... It, it was a Missy Gannon and Paige Pierce show until it wasn't. Turned into yeah. just a Missy Gannon show. She took it down. Owen Scoggins came in second. Lisa Fakus, Paige Pierce, and Christian Tatar came in third, which, thank goodness, they got in that high for third. Oh, that's true. Because that really helped out the points. I didn't even think about um, that, yeah. On the, yeah, I was rooting hard for that. On the MPO side, we had Ricky Wysocki taking it down for the third year in a row, if you include well, the Calvin it Brick. does not count. Last Cup year does not count. No way. I'm counting it. Third year in a row. <laughs> he he lose last it. year, Trevor. What? Did he lose? Did he lose last but year? But did he win? Did he win, Connor? Did he lose? Did he win? Did he lose? Did you refer to I, him as either. did you refer to him as a Ledgestone winner or the Ledgestone not loser? I referred to him as a three time. He three is a time. He is a three a time not champion. not loser. I'll give you that. Three time in a row, not loser. <laughs> three time in a row, not loser. That's funny. Also known as a possible winner, Ricky Wysaki. A two time winner. One time not loser, Ricky Wysocki. <laughs> Paul McBeth came in second, Gannon Burr in third. Uh, we got to talk FPO, though, first. I mean, I was super impressed by Missy Gannon. Um, well, yeah, it's Missy Gannon's time of the year. You know, this is just when she decides to, like, start playing well. So and they then, were saying on coverage. And then I she's going to win player of the year. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, that one's, that's a whole different story. But she she's had a solid season. Yeah. But with how she was finishing at the end of last season, it's nowhere near what I expected it to be at least. Yeah. Um yeah. it's a this wins a good way though to like kick her season from like decent to a good season. And then if she happened to have like another win, that would make it from like a, a good season to a great season, in my opinion. Yeah, it's I mean, it's good timing right before, you know, we get to worlds. So that's you know, that's the best time to get hot. I mean, the end of the season is the best time to really turn it on. Like stuff that happens at yeah. the beginning of the season, the Texas swing, all that gets forgotten so quickly. So this is the time of the year. This is winning time. You know, this is when there's still two more majors at grabs and both of them are the biggest two majors. Uh, and then there's you also for the women, right? 
Oh, that's yeah. true. Well, there's throw pink. So sorry, you know it's a throw major pink. in our hearts. Um, yeah. And then you <laughs> have in our hearts. Oh, we gotta make it. We gotta make that would be for that. yeah. That would be uh, <laughs> now we'd get sued by Innova. I'm sure. Maybe not. They'd like it. We don't um, use their logo. We just say it's a major in our hearts. There, yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> if this if this podcast gets a thousand likes, <laughs> but uh, and then we'll make it, just pink and white shirts for throw pink, and then just say it's a major hearts. in our hearts. That would be sick. That's actually great. It's a good shirt. Intellectual property claim. Then, then we wear it to the USDGC. We're claiming intellectual property right now. Um, that would be a yeah. that would be a get, hilarious. Get um, that is very funny. No, but then like you have the tour championship at the end of the year. There's playoffs this year, so like this is the time. I mean, Missy Gannon. Yeah, like we expected her to be a real contender this year. I think that we thought she was going to throw herself in the mix. And then she never really did. Um, she's had an okay season, but hasn't really been like a threat. Certainly not somebody that we're like, yeah. ooh, let's put her in our top three for this week. That's just not really been the case. Um, this this event is very unique because of Northwoods. Um, both for MPO and FPO, Northwoods is just like this crazy separator course. And so I think that I think that Ledgestone produces can produce somewhat unique results. However, we still saw the better players rise to the top in both divisions. So I'm I'm gonna say this is a this is a very legit win for well certainly legit win, but I think it's a very impressive oh, yeah. win for Missy. Uh, and if you can win at Ledgestone on the tough courses like that, that resilience you're able to show should translate. Uh, and it should be really good momentum going forward. So I think Missy is somebody to, to be paying attention to, certainly. But you know how FPO is. You know, one week it's this, one week it's that. So we'll see. Yeah, especially this year. I think they were saying on coverage this was like the seventh FPO winner this year or something like that. The parody's been seventh crazy. Seventh unique one. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, speaking of how much this win counted, Kristen Tatar was back in the field, so you can't even can't even use that as like a, a side note of like, well, yeah, but Kristen wasn't there. What Kristen you, was there. So and what do you think? Time, what do you think about Kristen? Is she hurt or is she injured? I mean, hurt or, I, hurt I, or injured. Here's what I'll say. During round two or three, it's definitely, I think, I'm going to go with injured. Mm, uh, I'm going to agree with you there. I'm going to agree with you there. Because there was a time, and I don't remember if it was round two or three, where she was doing stuff that I was like, that just isn't Kristen. Right. Like her releases were way off and stuff. It's a nerve thing, isn't it? In her elbow. Yeah, I think she was treating she it was fragile. Like she was. She looked like when Simon first tried to come back from injury, and it looked like she was just like nervous about it. Yeah, but with that said, there's a round again. I can't remember if it was round two or three. It's one of them at sunset that I thought Kristen had ran away with it. I thought it was over. Yeah, but then she. That's when she started making those weird, uncharacteristic mistakes. Which that's what I'm wondering: is it from her injury? Mm. Because I mean. She did say that she's going to play like some her doctor cleared her to play the big events the rest of the year. And then this off season, she's going to hit recovery hard, which it seems like that's a pretty common like disc golf thing of you have an injury that you can like you're not going to make it worse by playing or at least you're told that. And so you just keep playing. And then in the off season, you have to like recover and rehab. Um, So she posted on Instagram after Ledgestone and didn't say anything about her injury so that's how you know it's real that's well that's how you know that Kristen's a competitor because she had a free excuse and she didn't take it all she had to say was all she she had to say was was hurt yeah no she's injured yeah if she was hurt she's saying uh, you know oh it flared up my elbow all this stuff when you're injured you don't need to tell people you're injured people know you're injured Mm. that's what I think I think it's an injury I don't think she's hurt I think it's an injury uh, and I think that this off season will be big for her because she needs. 
I mean, it also should be somewhat encouraging to her that even with this injury and however it held her back, she was still at multiple times in position to win. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's still plenty capable of winning, and especially, you know, you get to you get to some more delicate courses too. Some that play to her strengths a little bit more. You know, throw yeah. pink. Throw pink certainly comes to mind. Um, yeah, she'll have every she, chance. Did she play throw pink last year? Surely. I want to say she didn't. I thought she left before. Oh, maybe was that the uh, was this part of the like travel thing last year? I could have. Um, I could have sworn. I haven't pulled up in front I could have sworn she. I don't left. think she did. You're right. You're right. She wasn't there. Yeah. So that's last, last year. Paige Pierce absolutely like crapped the bed at throw pink last year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Came in tenth. Quite a few people got yeah, themselves. Yeah, Kona. The mix. Kona was the Kona was second. It was Missy Kona and then yeah. Val and Sarah Hokum and Man. Haley King tied third. Kona. Haven't heard that I name in a little bit. That. that was a mix. Did you? See, oh, did y'all see Kona's latest post? No. Oh, I feel like I did, but she, I don't. Uh, she opened what's... about um that she's going to a sports therapist. Good for her. Good for her. Um, I forget exactly what she said, but I just saw that and I was like, for like what? There's the for a mental game probably. Okay. For a mental game. Yeah. Oh, um, I'll find it again. That's a smart move. Uh, yeah, it's, I'd be interested to hear more about that. No, I think it's a very smart move because I think. Yeah, she said, I've been looking into a sports therapist and I'm excited for this. Someone who does this day in and day out, I feel like I have had all the shots. I just feel like there's been a brick wall in my way I can't seem to break through. I've tried a lot of things this year to break down some barriers. I don't think I can do it alone. You all know I struggle with anxiety and other demons, but I want to compete like I know I can. I need some extra guidance. I think there's a weird stigma around mental illness, asking for help, or simply being able to talk about something someone is going through. I know disc golf is my life and I want to be better. Never hesitate to ask for help if you need it. Well, here's the thing. I mean, um... You know, golf in general is such a heavily meant. It's like it's such a big mental sport. I mean, mm-hmm. golfers, professional golfers at the highest levels in you know golf, not disc golf even, are like they yeah. use sports therapists. You know, they they use so many like mental, like literally. You know, I remember even playing high school golf. Like the better high school golfers, they would go out to practice around, and they weren't even. You would ask them, say, "What are you working on today?" And you'd expect them to say, "Well, I'm working on doing this with my driver or this with chipping." And they'd be mm-hmm. like, "No, I'm I'm practicing this mental game technique today." Like that's a thing that some players probably don't give nearly enough attention to. Um, so props to her. You know, that's you know that's a, that was a smart move. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just it's just been building all year, um, yeah. but it's a very smart move because I mean, it's it's she was in such a tough position where you sign a contract like that and where her play was her play. Let's just be honest. Her play was not at the level for that contract. And so she had all these false expectations that she was probably putting on herself more than anything, but also that the outside world was putting on her and that pressure. I mean, that pressure can get to anyone. So, uh, good to see that she's taking that step. And, um, hopefully, cause I mean, she, at when she's at her best, she is one of the better FPO players. Yeah, she. It's just, being at your best and being consistently that good are two completely different things. Cause that's like, we see players like Isaac Robinson or um, Alden Harris, or there, there's certain players that like at their best, yeah, they can win. But then being at like Chandler Kramer, being yeah. at your best and being consistently at that level are two completely different things. And yeah. the contract she signed was basically asking her to consistently be at her best. And I think that that's just way too much pressure for someone to be under. Um, so yeah, hopefully Hopefully, as the year rolls on, we start seeing Kona, you know, start getting back up the leaderboard a little bit. But another player that this weekend somewhat disappointed me, to be honest, was Paige Pierce. Because she went to the final round with, I, I wrote a real shot at taking it down. She was tied. Yeah. Um, so, mm. legitimate real shot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just never never got the ball rolling. Um, 
Yeah. It just like it literally came down to you had going to the final round. It was like Missy or Paige is going to win. And, you know, with this year, I was thinking, okay, Paige has this easy. She almost fell outside the top three. She <laughs> lost to Missy by seven strokes the final round. You know, you know what it seems to me is that, you know, the FPO field and the MPO field has this effect sometimes, not as often, but the FPO field, because there's less players, so there's a little bit less parity. You get the you get the idea a lot of times where it'll get to the final round and everybody just kind of starts playing really sloppy and it's kind of just whoever can scrap the most wins and in that scenario Paige typically wins when it's just kind of everybody is slopping it up and it's like a real like bumble yeah. stumble to the like finish you just line to hold it together. right that's when Paige wins because talent kind of prevails. Uh, but whenever somebody like really goes for it and goes out and takes it like Missy did that, then she just doesn't win. Like that's kind of seems to be the theme with Paige this year. Um, because like, I mean, Missy just, you know, took a hold of things pretty early and and just kind of pushed forward and, and Paige couldn't do anything about it. It it doesn't seem like Paige does not seem like the player this year where she's going to go into a final round tie with somebody. And then it's going to be like Eagle and Paul where they both just duel each other and score like crazy. Like that just isn't, the page I've seen yeah. this year, mm-hmm. which is weird because you would almost expect it to be. Yeah, like she, would, she's just not like that's what I would expect her to do. She just, I, you know what, it, it comes down to as well as like we we're seeing the courses have so much more par four and placement shots on the modern tour, right? Like Paige dominated an older tour, and she still does dominate to some extent. But I think the Paige's thing is. She lacks consistency, so when all of a sudden you're playing holes that require two or three really good shots instead of just one, her scoring just goes mm-hmm. down because she's going to yank one into a tree or throw one out of bounds. Like she just does too many. She makes too many unforced errors, just careless mistakes. Yeah. Um. And even on even on 18 yesterday, because I was obviously rooting for Kristen to yeah. tie her for the top three so that I would get points. Mm-hmm. She had a wide open like hundred and I think the range founded at 170 feet. Yeah. I say wide open. There were trees, but, but yeah, relatively open. A player, of, yeah, a player of her caliber is getting up and down on that every time, and just early release, a little bit of Anheuser kicked over, and she didn't get up and down. And that's what allowed Kristen. Yeah. into the tie for third i almost it's wonder just like shots like that it just surprises me i almost wonder if she just needs to simplify her game a little bit you know there are so many fpo players who make their living just knowing how to throw straight accurate shots or knowing how to like valerie manjano just knows when to disc down and like play for heiser flips and she throws she plays a very smooth to controlled game whereas Paige goes mm-hmm. out there and just tries to rip the disc all over the place just tries to just throw bombs and lace lines and whatever and i almost wonder if she would benefit from just taking a more slowed down controlled approach to the game almost like what simon lazat did to where okay let me just focus on hitting lines playing smooth and like i think she would have more success that way sometimes i just watch her play and there's just so much aggressiveness uh, just the way she attacks drives and approaches to where I'm like, yeah, I just like she overcomplicates it a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think it's like you were saying, cause like previously in previous years, uh, a lot of times FPO were playing on layouts that just weren't meant for them right. to where you just had to just chuck something out there. Yeah. You know, if you could get it 400 feet off the tee and everyone on your card was only getting 350, you know, that changes things a lot, especially when, you know, that might open up a whole new line and stuff like that to where to be as dominant as she has been throughout her entire career it's required that type of like super aggressive play. Yeah. Um, and now that we're seeing FPO, cause I mean, if you look at the score at Northwoods black, for instance, or I guess they played, it was still called Northwood black. Yeah. It was, uh, just, it was like the FPO layout. 
the scores were essentially very comparable to MPO. I mean, the right. hot round yesterday for FPO was seven under by Alexis, and I think for MPO it was nine under. Yeah. Um, and like a good round, like Missy, Onskog, and stuff like that, they shot like four or five, like very, very similar scores to where basically what that shows is the Ledgestone team, Heinold and his staff, did a good job of developing Sunset Hills and Northwoods to play to FPO strengths to where FPO could score while still being challenged because you still yeah. had plenty of score separation. I think that was I think this was an incredible FPO tournament to where it allowed them to show what they're good at, but it still challenged the entire field. So like the best players were just able to still rise and separate, but it actually challenged the entire field versus sometimes it's like way too easy for the top to separate or way too hard for the field to be like actually challenged. And yeah, I think you're right. I think Paige has developed a very aggressive game because that's what was required in the previous years when she was as dominant and she is still dominant let's yeah, not yeah. you know let's not act like she is not the best fpo player uh she's still one of them she's the greatest of all time but it's a it's, it's a lot different of a story this year that's for sure yeah yeah it almost seems like fpo is requiring less aggressive uh playing and more just you just need the consistency to place an FPO because consistency is what's going to place you higher up. Well, and that's the, that's the reason you have players like Owens Goggins that are week in week out coming top mm-hmm. five, because like she doesn't yeah. really have all the tools to win, but she's going to keep it in play and she's going to make putts. And like, if I'm page, I'm looking at players. I'm, I'm looking at the players that are consistently like always around the lead. And I'm like, what are they doing? Why are they so easily doing that? When I feel like I have a better game than them. Oh, because they're just keeping it in play and they're making putts, you know? Yeah. Now on the MPO side, um, we talked about this a little bit, but but Ricky, I mean, we obviously we joked about last year a little yeah. bit, but Ricky realistically owns this event. He does. Um, because I mean, even last year, if they went, if the round finished out or you know went to the final round, whatever, he was probably coming. He's either winning or coming second. Um, I mean, he could have come third, obviously, whatever. But he kind of dominates out there because even 2019 worlds he made that crazy comeback when paul won Mm -hmm. and he had a chance to throw it in on hole 18 when he was like out of it yeah um i'm pretty upset with myself i didn't pick him to win i'm glad i put him in my top three i just have to blame i have to blame my mental fog of sleep deprivation last week for that but yeah he's now not lost three years in a row and I mean, yeah. he tried to make it a little interesting yesterday with the double bogey on 17 it during the final round, didn't but really, it didn't, really didn't change matter. Much. Yeah, it, it, no. Ricky is, I mean, the dude's a different breed. Uh, he, he, going in, I mean, those all the, both of those courses for MPO were, were playing, like, they were playing tough. They were no joke. I mean, we know the Northwoods plays tough, but Eureka Temp is, is no cakewalk. There's so many chances to get in trouble there. Um, and, you know, he gets into that final round and he's got really good players on his heels. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it everything pointed to, and this has happened a few times this year, and it's kind of bummed me out a little bit, but it is what it is, where, like, everything points to, oh, we're going to have ourselves, you know, an absolute horse race here going into the final round. Like, we've got Paul a few strokes back. AB is right there. Um, Gannon right there. Like, really good players. This is going to be awesome. And then he kind of just pulls away. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, leaves him all in the dust. And, you know, that's just Rick. You know, he he can just do that. You know, he's demoralizing to play against because he is so hard to match shot for shot because there are days where he is on and you just feel like there's nothing you can do. You know, you take a bad hole and he just he just keeps chugging along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just kind of what it was. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he owns this event and it's a tough it is a great event to own because it is a really hard one to win consistently. 
um, because anybody can just have a bad time at Northwoods. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that Rick has, you know, proven himself. You know, he had a few shaky weeks. You know, he had the injury situation going on, but he's, you know, you know, he he's make he's making his case to be, you know, the the leader, the favorite going into Worlds. That's for sure. Yeah, especially going back to Emporia. Uh, at home. Yeah. But I mean, Ricky's home. Ricky's odds to win right now, like if you were betting on it, would be shocking. Like they would be so good. Yeah. Because <laughs> like he seems like a very clear favorite. Yeah, I mean, he's won there before. He's going home to he's going to be there. There is something about players being at an event that like their main sponsor puts on. Um, yeah. Like. Like Discraft with Deeglow and Ledgestone. I mean, that's why I put Paul in my top three. I know on the show y'all were like, yeah, little surprised that I picked him to win. When you're at an event that Paul's going to feel so comfortable with, with Nate Heinold, Bob and Mike are always there. Ben mm-hmm. Askren was out there. It's a very loose event for Discraft players, yeah. and you have the face of Discraft and Paul. He was gonna show up, and yeah, I mean, he, right. he did. He did. Um, but like, that's that's what I I look at. And when we go to Worlds, Ricky's gonna show up. I mean, yeah. obviously, Ricky and Paul are always going to show up, but I think Ricky has a little bit of the edge because all of Dynamics going to be there. Yeah, literally, like yeah. Mm-hmm. they they are always there. They can't move, um, and so it, you definitely have to think he has a little bit of advantage. But going to the final round, I was really thinking this was a chance for one of the young guns, Gannon or AB, to take it down. I wanted AB. I obviously, I, man, um, I really thought the AB. I like. He didn't blow up through the third round, which I really thought was like going to be where it happened, and I, I really thought it yeah. was going to happen. I I felt it for some reason. I was like, oh my gosh, like because you know why I felt it. I was like, there has been so many different winners this year. Like you know, we're seeing Alden Harris, Isaac Robinson, um, it, Bradley Williams. Like we're seeing all these different winners. Like this would just make sense if like this is where AB wins. Like that would make sense for this season. Yeah. And I was really expecting it. And he played okay. You know, took fourth, but yeah, Rick was just unbeatable unfortunately well that's what uh i mean he had enough birdies to tie rick he just yeah. had he just made six bogeys. mistakes yeah because oh. he had he had eight birdies that final round and that yeah. would have put him at 26 under which would have tied him with rick um and or at least like going into hole 18 they would have been tied or had some pressure well, because of rick's double bogey but obviously we're talking about a lot of scenarios because now yeah. rick keeps his double bogey and ab erases six bogeys but right still like he he played the course well um, and Gannon hung around. It was really the stretch for Rick was eight to thirteen. He didn't miss a hole. He got yeah. them all. And during that stretch, AB went even, and Gannon went. Was it one over? Yeah, I'm looking at yeah. it. He went one over. So that, there yeah. it is. That's the tournament, right? Um, and Paul made a push, but it was too little, too late. Yeah, yeah. He he really did surge towards the end. Um, yeah, it, it. You know, that's that's Rick. You know, he's 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 gonna be tough to beat, and he's proven that when he puts himself in the mix this year, you know, he's really hard to top. I think I, I'm just gonna say this right now: if if Rick wins worlds Damn. this year, this is a hot take. If Rick wins worlds this year and gets his third world title, I think he finishes his career with more world titles than Paul. Oh shoot! Yeah, no, wow. not a chance. Not a chance. Really? He's, he's only 29 years well, old. Obviously. Obviously, I can't say not a chance because statistically there is a chance. <laughs> but I'm saying the field has gotten way too good. I, I think people winning multiple, multiple worlds, that era is, you, is a little behind What about, us. what about... So he'd have to win three more. He'd have to win three more from now till the end of his career. And I don't see that happening. I don't know. You give That's Rick, just a tie, Paul. You give like Rick like seven more years in his prime after this. He's going to win like a little less than half of them after this year. I don't so know. Seven, seven, so he wins this year. Let's just give him that one. Yeah. Okay, so now he's a three-time world champion. 29. He has to win three out of the next seven years. 
against and that's uh, saying Gannonburg that's giving that's better. giving him a prime till age thirty six, which it could go further than that. But I would say I would be that's generous. Yeah, I don't see it happening. No, because he'd have to win almost half the worlds from from now for over the next seven years. He'd have to win almost half the worlds. I don't know, man. Who we'll do you see. guys think is? Our, I don't see it. Who do you guys think is our next first time world champion? Gannon Burr. Gannon Burr. Eagle I was thinking. Man. I was. Um, <laughs> Prime options out there. I forgot Eagle existed. Yeah, it's like a tough, tough, <laughs> to, tough to argue against Eagle after that European uh, performance. Eagle, there's there's two things that are gonna happen. Okay, if Eagle, man, because there's a chance that Eagle or Gannon could win at Emporia this year. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, and topple Rick. Um, I would almost say I think Rick's by far the favorite. I think yeah. Eagles second. Paul's always going to be in the mix at Worlds. Um, what is it? Ten years in a row now that he's come in second or first at Worlds. Uh, since I believe twenty twelve. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in we're in year we're, ten. This is year which 10. obviously they, they, we missed twenty twenty, but whatever. Yeah. Um. So like obviously Paul's going to be up there, but what did Gannon finish at the Dynamic Disc Open? I don't even. Remember. Was he there? Um, if he wasn't there, that could be super sneaky. Because I think, I mean, if, it seems like courses that play well for, for Gannett's play style. I don't think there is a course that I mean, doesn't play well for Gannett's play he style. He came in 10th. Um, he came in 10th. Oh, so he played pretty, he did okay there considering the conditions. Okay, Ricky kind of bullied the field. Yeah, he did. He won by six. <laughs> well, you remember, like. Simon's a sneaky one that could win Worlds this year. Worlds is going to be interesting. It's just going to. I mean, it's going to be because, like, if it, the wind is down, which it will be, yeah, compared to where it was last time, it will that court. It's going to play completely different. So, like, that's where it gets. Tough. I would be happy with a Simon with a Simon win. Worlds. I, Worlds is going to be very interesting. Yeah, I mean, the wind today in Emporia, the gustiest it gets is eleven miles an hour. Yeah, it won't be. Um, it won't be. it will be very like interesting. It was, so, speaking of uh, another Worlds, player that was. Speaking of worlds, everybody's Sorry? gonna need to tune in for our uh, our world stream. Our uh, yes, final round live stream. That's gonna, it's be, gonna be happening. It's gonna be awesome. If you didn't see the clips from last year, uh, they kind of. I mean, I'm sure you. If you're a fan of Foundation, you probably saw them because we posted them everywhere, and they they we'll be posting we'll, the we'll be posting them again at leading up to we'll it. We'll be posting sure. them again. Yeah. Um, it basically what it essentially lets you do is like. Just throw it up on your laptop and throw worlds up on your TV or whatever to where you're not really watching us, but you're kind of hanging out with us. Um, a lot of people mute the commentary. We don't do commentary during it, but you kind of just like, it's like you're hanging out with a bunch of friends watching a sports game. Yeah. And we're usually, like, we're all just kind of hanging out, talking about what's going on on the screen yeah. and uh, making some side bets. And we'll usually be on a slight delay. So what you can do is you can, you can, if you see something happen on screen that you know we're going to react to, you can then like a few seconds later look over and see how we react to it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the fun part yeah, of those. That's what happened with uh, Conrad's throw-in. Yeah. was like our viewership just spiked out of nowhere. We weren't watching it, obviously, yeah. the viewership, but we were watching the coverage. And we were, because like obviously there's a delay from when it actually happens at Worlds to being right. streamed, then we watch the stream and then we stream it back to you, just the camera of us. So there's a solid like, five to ten second delay between when it actually happens to us and so a lot of people like pulled it up in that five to ten seconds and i mean obviously we lost our mind i mean it was the greatest <laughs> shot in disc golf history i would um i don't expect that to happen at worlds yeah, again, I, say, I don't think worlds anything like that's promises something crazy <laughs> worlds always promises something crazy it is crazy um, to, to think that like that shot we'll probably never see anything that improbable or improbable rather in our lifetime <laughs> as far as in disc yeah, golf no, like throwing insane. in like that for the win That'll probably, or well, yeah. to, well to, for, the for, this, for the playoff, 
That'll probably never happen again. Like that that's like an that is an all-time disc golf moment. That was right crazy. There. It might happen in like an A tier or at a World Tour though. or something, but not at Worlds. Yeah. It will never happen at Worlds again. I mean, that yeah, you're more likely to be struck by lightning probably like 10 times <laughs> if you ran the numbers than that, that to happen ridiculous. again at Worlds. Oh my god. Scientifically. Um, if you can't tell we're player, getting excited about Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> one other player that I was thinking a lot about for Worlds this year that now after a few weeks in a row, I'm just very disappointed is Chris Dickerson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I Man, mean, he twentieth this year. He this weekend? stunk this weekend. I, mean, I chose him to win. Yeah, he he stunk yeah. this weekend. I don't know what was going on. He is Came definitely nineteenth. Yeah, he's cooling he lost off by almost twenty strokes. He is cooling off at the wrong time. It's it's so hard though with a guy like Dickerson because like once once you have built enough history around your game, like Dickerson has been around long enough that we know he's good. It's hard to yeah. just like right now, Paul has had a had a really rough patch this year. So like after a long time, it's very easy. Well, he's had a rough patch for Paul. Right, but that's but you know what I mean? Like it's easier to then like yeah. after like 6 weeks of it in a row be like, yeah, they're just not really playing well this year. But Dickerson like it's very tough to like quickly shift against him and be like, "Oh, he's just like slumping because I still feel like next week he could be, you know, he could win at the Moines. Yeah. Um yeah, so Paul from April to June went 51st Seventh at a Silver Series, nineteenth, fifth, fourteenth at a Silver Series, and then since then he's went top ten with the second at a major and then second at Ledgestone. But he had that stretch, and unfortunately that stretch was from April to June. Yeah, no, Paul, just, there's only Paul is like starting like to warm up to where you which know, he always does. This time of year yeah, is Paul's time of year. Is so kind of like we said with Missy, he's gonna try and flip the narrative for sure. I mean, there it's and yeah, if he wins, if he gets a win at win at Worlds. Wins yeah. like what? Like if he wins Des Moines this weekend, you know, then wins Worlds, wins GMC or MVP, and then plays as well at USDGC, it's gonna be like, and yep, I, that's Paul. And I believe he he's, def- he's defending at Des Moines, right? He won last year, is that right? I think so. I, I be- think so. I believe. I can look it up. I believe he won Des Moines. Um, yeah, I mean, th- it's this year more than ever, and it's becoming this win disc golf. We just aren't gonna know the full story until literally the very last putt on the very last day of the last event, and we can just look back and yeah. be like, now let's see you know, where, where things sit because there's just so much shifting and moving going on this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, one final thing I wanted to bring up before we got off of Ledgestone, we'll, we'll get into points after this. Um, personally, I think I had this take last year, but my take hasn't changed, although I still think it is a hot take. I don't think that the Pro Tour slash Ledgestone should use Northwoods Black anymore. For... Because... Because you can't stream the front nine. Yeah. No. And so I think mm-hmm. it's unacceptable that the Disc Golf Pro Tour slash Disc Golf Network is charging people for a subscription to watch live disc golf. And then probably one of, if not the biggest Pro Tour stop of the year in Ledgestone, one of the bigger ones, you can't watch half of the half of two rounds. And then for FPO, the final round, you couldn't watch the front nine yeah. of FPO. Yeah. I get you can watch it like post-produce and stuff like that, but when you're charging people for a subscription for live coverage and you can't give them live coverage... Yeah, you gotta say, hey, we can't go to that course. I, I do. Like the agree. course is great. Don't get me wrong, I love it. But like with the current business model and the lack of coverage capabilities, you just can't be there. I don't. I don't understand it. Or at least try to do something. Like still go live when they go when they went, like teed off and like be fed because they obviously were able to do highlights mm-hmm. when they teed off on the back back nine and like show us stuff on the back nine and have like a pre-show where. Uh, one thing I think the pro tour I noticed. Um, they try, they have like that after show they do after yeah. every round. Yeah. Problem with the after show 
is they're having the same commentators do the after show. Right. That doesn't happen in other sports for a reason, because when you've been talking about the round, you've already covered all these talking points, Ian and Philo or Ian and Zoe. Yeah. Um, depending on FPO or MPO, you've already covered all these talking points throughout the round. So then it feels weird. So what ended up happening is Ian just looks at the leaderboard and is like, oh, look, Double G popped up there. What do you think of that, Philo? And Philo's like, yeah, man, Double G's game really works He's well out here. It's like, it, man, Double G, yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, look, Paul came in second. What do you think of that, Philo? It's like, that's not an after show. That sucks. Yeah, no, they, like, they need another who's into that if they're going to do that. Versus you pop over to two people who've been watching the round and just taking notes, and then they can go back through yeah. what just happened, break down stats, and, like, that's their job. So during that... During the four-hour broadcast, they're just taking notes of stats and stuff like that and have those same people do kind of like TNT NBA where you have like, you know, Chuck, I forget all the guys, whatever, um, Kenny, all of them sitting there before the show, before the game. They come to it at halftime and then they go to them after the game. Have that type of panel going on during the front nine where people are talking about what players need to do and then talking about as it happens. Like, yeah, you know, we we're talking about the circle one putt, how important that is. Own Scoggins making a push. Look at her circle one putts. Here's some highlights that this have happened through the first five holes. Yeah. Do something. Give us something if you're going to be out there. But right. starting the coverage halfway through, like the MPO coverage on Friday and Saturday started at like 6 p.m. The yeah. FPO coverage, like, yeah, the back nine's the most important, but the final round. A lot happened during that front nine, yeah. and like you just don't see it. I, I, it's just very frustrating to pay, and then you don't get the coverage you're paying for. This is an interesting point of like contention between. It's like the whole pro tour slash live disc golf model versus the you know local tournament model because Ledgestone obviously is the biggest disc golf tournament in the world. It had it's such a big am event, and I already have issues with the way. The things are running right now because the am field forces fpo to not be able to play eureka temp which is like the signature mm. course of that event i don't know though i kind of like the, i kind of like fpo being at sunset sunset i don't, I don't think i don't I like sunset it nearly as interesting if fpo goes to eureka temp why not that course if you because it's like hard it would be very hard to make it an fpo course it'd be very hard to make it an fpo course why do you say that just move the tease up what are you gonna do with hole one what do you what do you or, or move the tee like yeah, a, across the, the water? Zone? Make it a make it a par three with water on the left. I'm like there you go. It's the opening hole. That would suck. It, the course would completely change. I, don't I think, think Sunset that Hills would be in better. Would, why would that hole suck? <laughs> why would that? If hole, you moved it across the water and to you, where and the you drop had zone a, is you, basically, you had to drive a little bit further back than that maybe, and then you just played it. It'd be a tough par three with water on the left. I just think, but all the changes you'd have to make. I think it'd be. I think it's already a lot of walking out there. I think Sunset Hills sucks. For FPO. I think Sunset. I disagree. I think that. I think Sunset plays well for them. I think it's just. I think it is just boring. And here's what I think more so about the course, how it plays. I think it's a boring and generic looking course for considering the men are playing two very signature courses. I think the women get to play one of them and the other one is just kind of like thrown in there. I, I just think the women used to play Eureka Temp and they hated it. I, I remember they, well, that, they had a hot mic of Paige Pierce turn around. It's like, this is why I freaking hate Nate Heinold. Well, then, that was like a few years ago. Well, did they play the same tees as the guys? I think so. Well, then, I don't remember exactly. Was, I remember that was when they had the stupid uh, sand volleyball hole. I don't know if you remember that. It was like 2016. Yeah. Legendary well, used to be a bad event. People just came because of the money. Regardless of... Back to my original point, regardless of that, that's that's a side point. But I think that with the whole live disc golf thing, like Nate Heinold and and all of them are like super, super prideful in Northwoods Black. Like they love that course. They love that they have like... That's fine. They should. Right. So that's what I'm saying. This is what where it'll be an interesting point of contention to where, 
okay, now the pro tour is like, no, we won't run an event if it if you're going to use Northwoods Black because the network like needs to be able to broadcast. We have sponsors, we have this and that. But then Heinold's pushing back, um, and like he's got power with the PDGA too, you know. Oh, but no, we need to have Northwoods. Like it's going to be an interesting point of contention as we go forward, and because we're we're going to see that with well, with obviously, a, it's obvious that Heinold won. Because like well, he won the this pro year. tour obviously well the pro tour obviously knew this problem from last year and from worlds. Like it's not like Northwoods yeah. suddenly lost cell coverage. So like it's pretty obvious that it, the pro tour either is like, yeah, screw our subscribers, which I don't think is happening, or they're like, Hey, this is a problem and Ledgestone's like, Well, this is this is what makes the event great. Like we care about the players, not about the coverage and the right. disc golf network like, we have to I'm just wondering coverage. yeah I'm just wondering if it gets to a point where disc golf network is like no we're just going to put our foot down and the event is not going to be a pro tour stop if this is happening then do they fold over or like I I'm just I'm mostly saying this cuz I think it's just going to be a curious thing to watch because I do think that the 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 network like that I agree with you that's unacceptable to not have the front nine of a huge event being broadcasted to paying subscribers that's that's hilarious like that's almost laughable yeah it just um, doesn't make sense it, it just seems it, like it some was, kind of in gimmick. their defense in their defense it like it was advertised before it's not like i turned on yeah. the tv and was like oh my gosh i can't no, watch it but it, that's not what i'm saying it's just it's it is like it's very gimmicky and weird for a for the yeah, tour. so it doesn't make any sense yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me why we're why we're still there if if we know that's going to happen because like Yes, Northwoods is part, in my opinion, what makes Ledgestone so good, um, because I think Eureka Temp would get very boring if you played it four rounds. Um, it also like Eureka Temp's another one of those like Winthrop Gold type courses where there's a lot of shots where if you have someone from outside the sport go spectate there or like watch it, it's like, why are we doing certain things? Like, why are we throwing over a baseball field or whatever? <laughs> right. It just doesn't feel like disc golf belongs there to right. a certain extent. But it also has some signature stuff that like. Yeah, is it quirky and weird? Maybe, but like throwing off the bridge, that's sick. I don't yeah. think that that's a weird gimmick. I like the water throwing tower. Throwing around the water tower, yeah. that's sick. I don't think that's a weird gimmick. I mean, it was sick to see Ezra yeah. ace that hole. Mm -hmm. But um, That'd be an interesting segment. Yeah, I, don't, like, I don't think, a, yeah. An interesting segment would be like too gimmicky or not and like give like different items. Because yeah. like baseball field for me, too gimmicky. Looks pretty bad. I agree. Water tower and bridge, not too gimmicky. Yet. Oh, yeah. I think those work. Those are okay. Like disc golf has very fine lines in like what works and what doesn't. And I, and I think that, you know, some events push the boundaries because you know what the problem with the baseball field is? It makes for an awesome disc golf obstacle. Um, no matter which way you put it, yeah. I love, I love that you have to throw mm -hmm. a nose up disc and there's just an area that you have to clear the catch it. You can take it wide if you're playing it safe. Like it makes such a good obstacle. Um, but it looks awful. <laughs> mm -hmm. But also, like on 18, it's normally you can't really see it on coverage, but if you go to Ledgedome or you see it uh, on 18, like there's a playground, a kid's like yeah. a kid's swing set <laughs> yeah. on the right side of the fairway. And mm -hmm. like it wasn't, it, it doesn't happen so much nowadays, but a few years back, it wasn't uncommon for rollers to land there. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, I don't know. Just I don't like when it's, it, I like that it's in a park. I like like the sport, like that feel, because I think it's like true. It has a true disc golf feel, and yeah. it's a good championship level course. So I, I like that. But at the same time, like I don't like when we have a shot landing at and you're like, yeah. trying to throw through a swing set or whatever. Or like years ago when they were playing on a sand court, yeah, or stuff like that. It immediately takes away some of the prof like all the professional look of the sport. Really, exactly. Like, it, like you're, exactly. you're watching, what, you watch the card in the Northwoods gallery. Black, Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just saying, Northwoods Black does the opposite of that. 
Like yeah. Northwoods, there's it's just disc golf. You yeah. you roll in and there might be like it's obviously there's a park there, but like North the course they're playing is is disc golf. Like that's all that's there. People aren't walking through the woods. You don't have to worry about people fishing or anything like that. Like it's it's what a disc golf course should be. The course is evil. It just doesn't have coverage. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Points wise, after uh, Ledgestone, I was able to extend my lead um, a little bit on you guys. Uh, so I got two <laughs> points for MPO, four Sick. points for FPO, and my dark horse pick. Y'all are questioning my dark horse pick. What I'd we, like to explain it. Why do we question? What was Luke it? Luke Samson. Mm. Oh yeah, Luke Samson, I knew you had a reason pick. for it. The whole reason was he played very well at uh, New London, and New London oh, and Northwoods are very similar. Wow. Smart that pick. I just went. I think Luke Sampson's going to deal well at uh do well at Northwoods, and he won. He won it for me. So, got two points to Dark Horse. So I'm now at 108. Connor is at 74. He got one point in MPO, two points in FPO, and Trevor gained a little traction on Connor. He's now at 60 with one point in MPO and four points in FPO. Oh, the thing that saved us was a tie for third. We put Kristen in third. Yep. Yeah, that was it. Or Kristen or Paige in third. We put Paige in third. Something that's like what that. that was what was big for us. Sick. Connor went Paige, Kristen, Cat, and we both put ah. someone in second and bumped Paige to third. Big time, big so time play. That was big for us. How that was big for us. It got us points. His Paige tied for third, and so we had her in third. Got Paige you. and Kristen tied for third. Yeah. Boom. Understood. Um, all right, some power ranking times. Yeah. I didn't touch these yet because I don't even know what the frick to do with them. Why? Uh, <laughs> I, I think Ricky. Ricky Ricky's the one. number one player in the world. Yeah, yeah. Period. That's a that's a clear we one. We still have Eagle and the Ghost one. Ghost um, we'll one. leave him there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eagle's e- Eagle Eagle's is the still ghost, a ghost one. one. But Ricky's the number one player in the world, undisputed. Dickerson at two. I, out of spite, want to put him at like 15, but I'm not going to. Um, yeah. He does need to be bumped down, I think, personally. Yeah, we could probably bump. Who? Where does Gannon sit right now? Gannon's in fourth. Paul's in fifth. Who's in third? Calvin. Calvin. Oh gosh. Calvin didn't have that good of a tournament either. No. Um, he was able to come back with like he had good round three and four. I'm, round two, he shot a seventy-four. Yeah. Like he, he absolutely I'm, sucked out there. I'm down with I'm down with bumping Gannon to three and Paul to four, then Dickerson at five, and, and um Calvin at six. Well, what I'm wondering is is do we have Calvin jump Dickerson? Um, no. You didn't sound so confident. I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. (laughs) Um, Dickerson's gonna like make us look so dumb like a week from now. That's fine. He he skipped too many tournaments. Yeah, you're right. The major. Yeah, you're right, Hunter. Yeah, and then just came in twentieth at Ledgestone. Yeah, he deserves. Dickerson sucks, dude. (laughs) Last week I last week I said like jokingly that Paul like sucked and was washed up, and like I got a lot of hate in my comments. People thinking that was very serious about that. So. I'm going to be... No, yeah. Dickerson sucks. He does actually suck. I'm not joking. He does not suck. <laughs> There's no way around it. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make people Dickerson come after simp. me. What? Right, so we think we go You're the Ricky Dickerson Gannon, simp, dude. Paul. I was surprised I that you Dickerson didn't pick... Simp. I was surprised that you didn't pick Chris uh, for Ledgestone. You can't, you, can't let emotions, you can't let emotions get into your picks, Connor. Well, Dang, man. Mine for him. me is more like he's good in the woods usually. <laughs> I was like, what I... You got to separate your head and your heart, man. You got yeah, to separate those. I'll, I'll try hard. Because if I, it was my head, you know, I'd have I'd have Dickerson up there every week, but you got to split it. was split my him. heart, Well, dude. I understand that because my head... be winning every week. My head said to put freaking Gannon in third place... I don't know if you heard that, but I changed it and put it Calvin in my listen to my heart instead. My heart was stupid. 
Your heart was very stupid. stupid. Heart. Your heart's always stupid. Your heart is you gotta so know with that stupid, stupid, stupid heart. Um, so we're blood. going Ricky, Gannon, Paul, Calvin, Chris. Yeah, that's and, right. and then where does it go after that? Well, let me just look at Calvin really quick uh, <laughs> to make sure that recently he's done better because obviously he did better here. Uh, D Glow. Oh, he won D Glow. Yeah, what the frick? Obviously, what the okay. frick? <laughs> Come on, guys. Uh, <laughs> I Calvin fourth. Uh, no, that was all you, Connor. How dare you? Simon <laughs> the sixth is what we have now. Okay. Sick. Was Simon at Ledgestone? Uh, Came in 26th. Okay. This is not Ooh, we're good. leaving him there. Kyle yeah, Klein man. is the next one, and I think Kyle Klein could jump Simon if we wanted okay. to. Okay. We're Kyle, I don't know what you're thinking. Where did Kyle Klein finish at Ledgestone? Seventh. That's right. He was cool. Yeah, let's jump Simon with Calvin. Well, let, me Calvin go, let me go head to head. <laughs> let me go head to head. Calvin Klein versus Simon. <laughs> if, Kyle it's, Klein, if it's close, Kyle with the Simon. jump. How far back should I go head to head? I don't know. I don't remember how far we go back. I mean, the problem is Simon has those two wins. Simon's going to have those two wins to the end of time, and he's not going to win anything the rest of this year, and we're going to be holding on to those. That's the problem. We're going to go from May, May to now. Kyle Klein versus Simon Lazat. Kyle Klein's three and two. Mm. They're three, two, yeah. and one. Yeah, Kyle Klein. Simon has two wins, but Kyle Klein, they have the same top 10 percentage. Those wins were forever ago. Let's put Kyle ahead of him. Let's light a fire under Simon's butt. You know, I know he listens to the podcast. So you Yeah, know. okay. So basically, it's when OTB opened, Simon won. Kyle came in 19th. Portland opened, Simon won. Kyle came in 17th. Preserve, they tied for third. Mm-hmm. Idlewild, Simon came in 22nd, Kyle came in 3rd. D-Glow, Simon came in 10th, Kyle came in 6th. Ledgestone, Simon came in 26th, Kyle came in 7th. Yeah, I think we can I jump think, I think uh, Simon's got to pick it back up. I agree. Yeah. There we go. All right, Simon Lazad is now the 7th best player in the world. Been done. And Kyle Klein. You know, I think one storyline here in our power rankings is the slow rise of Paul McBeth back, to, back towards the top. It's true. Well, we, I mean, we said cool. earlier, he's been playing well the last few events. Uh, that April to June stretch, we we had Paul in seventh at one point, I think, and he's back to third with Gannon Byrne. Yeah. It was all that's in his way. It's very cool. Um, after Simon, we have Matty O. I feel like that's probably fair to keep there. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll do Matty O to, to Simon to make sure in that yeah, same Matty period. Matty played well this week. Oh, Matty O's two and one against Simon. He wasn't at one of Simon's wins. Nah, let's just keep him there. He went six at Idlewild, fifth at Ledgestone. Simon went twenty second. The reason I'm I'm not gonna give Matteo any like too much credit because I don't think he Until can he win. Plays more? I don't think he can win. Okay. Like he, oh, he okay. keeps putting himself okay. in the mix, but he can't ever win. So and I don't think he is capable of it. Well, I think for me it's just he does he's he's gonna tour the rest of the year, so I'll be curious to he, watch as he continues he's to tour. Just the but Osc- he's he, the own he, Scoggins. He didn't play too much. He's the own Scoggins of MPL. Always in the mix, can't yeah. win. Yeah. Matteo. Matty Own. That's funny. That's You're funny. Welcome. Good job, Connor. Thank you. Very you good. get a cookie. <laughs> we actually do have James cookies. Conrad we is do? who we have in no. ninth. Oh. I don't James even Conrad in ninth. I don't even care about ninth and tenth. <laughs> <laughs> James hey? Conrad who? <laughs> who where is what is uh, who is that? Someone, someone said Chris Clemens. They said oh, they think yeah. Chris Clemens should be a top ten. I I'm did, gonna go Chris Clemens versus James Conrad and just see. I did hear what we're that. looking at here. Yeah, I heard that argument as well. Well, because Conrad last four week, and three, but uh, mm, Chris Clemens went 40th at the Preserve. That's a tough look. 51st at Beaver State Fling. Tougher look. He went fourth, eighth, the last two weeks, but mm. 
Yeah, Conrad's been the better player yeah. across the board. I think that Clemens is getting hot though. Someone to look for. Clemens, let's see. Maybe I think we keep Conrad in ninth. Does Chris Clemens jump Adam Hammes? Maybe that's who oh, we look at. Oh, maybe. Because Hammes is who we have in tenth right now. They're four and four. Ooh. But Hammes just came in sixty fifth. All right, Clemens over Hammes. Hammes has to drop out of the top ten. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Let's do is it. Is Chris Clemens the one in? Let's. I think Kevin Jones has a case to be made for himself. Oh, potentially. Uh, Let's check on KJ. Mm, so here, here's. So, Ledgestone Clemens came in eighth. KJ came in twelfth. Uh, Deglo Clemens came in fifteenth. Kevin Jones came in eleventh. Preserve Clemens came in fortieth. Kevin Jones came in sixteenth. And then Silver Series, we're going to skip, although Clemens came in 51st, which some, some would argue that should hurt him. Portland Open, 12th, 21st. I, th- I think Kevin Jones or Chris Clemens. Let's go with the... I think either one. Let's go with Clemens because I like Clemens. him more. I'm going to make my own power rankings. Know, you know what? No, I, I, my vote's Jones because... Okay, oh, never okay. mind. Yeah, it, let's go with Jones. Well, just because the preserve, Chris Clemens came in 40th, and Kevin Jones hasn't finished outside the top 25 since June. That is true. Actually, you know what? May. If you ask me next event who's going to finish higher, I would bet on Kevin Jones. So yeah, but I think we got to go Kevin Jones in 10th. But at some true. point, you do have to ask yourself who has the better beverage-based nickname, and that has to be Chris Clemens. I've never had KJ USA. You could USA probably come up with something cool, KJ. Beverage. Like KJ, OJ? K, KJ. Like OJ, but KJ. KJ Kool-Aid? Yeah, but Clemonade. There you go. Clemonade is no, that's fine. I'm with you, you guys. Like KJ, KJ all the way. Clemonade, there's only one direction to go. That's it true. has to be lemon based. Has to be lemon. You right. have to have a lemon drink. That's true. Right. KJ, you, you can, can go anywhere with that. Stupid you, Connor. You guys have convinced me yet again. <laughs> the peer pressure well, is worse. KJ. You know what? I hate Chris um, Clemens. <laughs> <laughs> he sucks. One time I bought a Chris Clemens like lemon judge, and that disc sucked. It was like the most inconsistent. <laughs> hey, I Have love you seen the, the Chris Clemens culprit though. Yeah, yeah the Clemens culprit. Those are sick. very cool. I, very I love cool. the judge, and that judge just didn't fly well. So you know what? And I threw it on hole seventeen at USDGC, and uh, well, at Winthrop, I should say, <laughs> and I didn't make it over the hedge. So that, mm. that's all we have to say. So that's that. why that's why Chris There's Clemens is bitter, not. But also, there. I did I did get to meet him though at USDGC that was year. Nice. He was very He's nice. He's a cool dude. So it's tough. He's got a very cool dude. Hair. Very Kevin nice guy. He's also a cool dude though. Kevin Jones is also a very cool dude. Is he dude? His hair isn't as cool. He is. Round, Here's a, so Kevin Jones. Round one, I met him when he was with Prodiscus. <laughs> yeah, I met Kevin Jones when he was with Prodiscus. He was friends with Lance. That Brown, was the was old Kevin with. Jones, buddy. And well, no. So I met Kevin Jones then. That was like when he was like just people didn't really know him yet. He hadn't done good at USDGC yet. That was later that year. And um, met him. Super nice. Talked to him for like 20 minutes or so. This is at like Ledgedom. I don't see him for like a year and a half. All right. I didn't talk to him. Mm. Nothing. And then at USDGC, he came in like second that next year, year and a half later, however long it's been. And he was like walking by. He remembered you. And I like went to give him like a fist bump, like, hey, man, great shooting, whatever. And he was like, dude, Hunter, how's it going? I was like, what the frick? Oh, nice I can, guy. I, under, I can understand Dang, now. Everybody, you heard that story, right? Yeah. So take that into consideration when Hunter talks about Kevin Jones, because if that happened to me, I would nice be. Guy, Kev. I would have a Kevin Jones pillowcase if that happened to me. I so. mean, he, yeah, he just he remembered yeah. me like, no, this is before. This is before. No, he that, had no reason to know me. No, that's that makes a lot of sense. And you know what? The only guy to ever do that to me, like a similar situation, was actually Sexton did that to me. 
didn't expect him to Sexton's know. Sexton's also a nice guy. Didn't expect him to know who I was, and he did that to me at USDGC. He was like, he like came up, and yeah. was like, hey man, how's it going? Like, how's things? So didn't I don't think he name yeah. dropped me though. That's huge. Yeah, that's, well, that's big what I'm saying. Time. And it. It was a time before foundation. So he had literally the only way mm. he would remember me is the one 20 minute conversation a year and a half. We might have to add him to like did. the foundation. Well, because like I would say like right now, like foundations, like ally power rankings is like Eric Oakley is up there. I was about to say Very that's high. probably the same. Simon Lazat is Simon Lazat is also way up there. He's a listener. Um, we literally Eric Oakley. That I, was such I'm trying situation. to think of like who else are like our big time. Um, Oh, Alden Harris is a fan. I learned. So, we love so oh, Alden, yeah, Alden Harris, Harris also Harris. on that He's list. Cool dude. Let's keep the list there for now. Ezra, we all love okay. Ezra. If you foundation e- well, loves yeah, Ezra. yeah, Ezra. and foundation we do love Ezra. So there's yes. four on the list right now. If you're a pro and you don't ever comment on this podcast, <laughs> please let us know <laughs> you're listening. Castro, Jordan Castro list. listens as well. Okay, that's Ricky, a good list. Ricky's a tentative list. List. No, list dude. Item. Ricky hates my guts, bro. He won't come on my show. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Ricky goes through phases with us, you know. He does. He, I think Loki. He's like, I just want to love him. He, he's, a, he's embarrassed to admit he likes us. Maybe that's where I'm at. I just mm. want to be friends with Ricky, and he won't let me. That's kind of how I feel about Ricky. I'm embarrassed to admit that, I like Ricky. I'm not, you know? dude. I like. I Rick. love Rick. I like Rick. Yeah, me too. I'm, 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 I'm I've learned. I've like. It started as like an ironic thing where like it's like, oh yeah, come on, Rick, just like getting behind him a little bit. But now like I'm a fan of Rick. Well, it was so hard because like I used to. I Rick used to be like my enemy because he was like I was such a big Paul yeah. fan. Well, but now I, say, I feel like. Ricky Paul air is gone. Like I'm a yeah, fan it of is, Paul. It is gone. I completely agree with you. That's why I like him now. Because that was the same thing. Is I viewed it as like a Duke UNC thing. Like I couldn't be a Paul fan and a Rick yeah. fan. I don't think of that way anymore. Mm-hmm. Like now I view like I can I root for both of them because Absolutely. it's not just two a two horse race anymore. Absolutely, Absolutely. agree. So, plus, once he broke out the the bucket hat, I mean, it's tough it's not huge. to over. It's huge. huge. Well, it's not a massive right. bucket hat, but it's a huge moment. It's huge a moment. Yeah. Well, it's a boonie hat, so it is a massive bucket hat. <laughs> Technically true. Yes. Uh, FPO power rankings. What the heck do we do here? Um, Where did we have Missy out of it? Or is out she of in it. We fifth? had Jones Scoggins in fifth. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, where read Which the list tough. as it is currently. As it is currently, we have Kristen Tatar in first, Paige Pierce in second, Katrina Allen in third, Valerie Mandahano fourth, Owen Scoggins fifth. Hear, my proposal. Hear me out. No, you. Yeah, you. We okay. might have the same thing. So you go. My proposal is: I think Valerie Mandahano might have to be bumped out top five. Ooh, I strong disagree with that. I think. So I'm just I'm just I'm gonna look at some facts real quick, I'm and just, then I'll get back to I'm you. You st- give me your proposal. The pro- my proposal is we bump Cat out, slide Missy in that spot, and then don't touch it. Well, here's so think, here's think about that. Listen to this. Well, just listen to this, okay? Listen. Since May, since May first, Missy Gannon is four and three against Valerie Mandahano. They both have one really? win, but really? Val's win. Is it Portland back in June? Okay, never mind. I changed my I changed my opinion. Then you can we can do what you said. Oh, because they went That's so a lot more dramatic Gannon, than I thought it was. Misty Gannon's worst worst finish was twelfth last weekend. She's went sixth, fourth, second, tenth, second, twelfth, first since May. Gosh, um, dang, Missy. And then Val has went twelfth, first, thirteenth, twelfth, seventeenth, fourth, sixteenth. Dude, Val just blows up at the at the worst times, man. That's what get. That's I why I have Missy's her. More, inflated in my mind right now yeah you're right let's do what you said so does Owens Goggins say fifth and Missy Gannon jumps to fourth 
Yeah, respect. Because Missy Gannon was the player that was on the bubble with Own. Yes. When we were doing this before. Yes, but now so she's like, she win. Was, she was in sixth for sure, but mm-hmm. now she won. So I think it's okay to jump her. And then Own Scoggins came in the second. She was right there. Yeah. No, so you I, can't touch Own. No, I, I, like, I do think. Do we slide uh, Cat well, to five? Do we slide Cat to five and bump them up to let me go, three, four? Let me go Gannon versus Katrina Allen. Since uh, May, yeah, I'm wondering if we if we slide. Cat's four and three against Missy. Okay, that's mm. that doesn't help. Does she Cat a, hasn't finished outside the top ten. Yeah. Has she finished outside the top ten all year? She just disappoints me. That's all. She does. She is disappointing. I'll give you that. Cat Allen. Cat Allen. Katrina Allen has not finished outside the top ten this entire year. Has only finished outside the top five once. Okay. All right. All right. Fine. Twice. Deglo and actually three times because Oh, Lexington's so you're there. lying. But she hasn't finished outside the top ten. Well, no, I was looking down the list. I messed up. Zero times. Legend's not on Once, there. Once, twice. <laughs> okay. Three times. Let's do what you said the first. But the still, first she game. has to finish outside the top 10. So I think we go. Do we leave Kristen at one? Yes. Okay. So we go Kristen, Paige, Cat, Missy, Own is love the top it. five. Love it. Love it. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yep. Yep. All right. Yep. Um, it's time for our fan favorite segment, Trevor's Trivia. But first, another word from our sponsors. Yeah, we've got a quick word from our friends at Aura. Um, do you guys know what the fastest crime growing in America right now? You know what it is? It's identity Window theft. breaking. No, it's identity oh, theft. Shoot. And there's a new victim every 14 seconds. Listen, one time I got my identity stolen on PayPal and they bought like $300 worth of Adidas shoes. It stunk. Is this um, part of the ad read or is that an that's actual That's part of the story? ad read. Well, and it also happened to me. I, I'm supposed to give an actual story. That didn't Oh, that's happen. an actual story. Um, okay. I got the money back kind of, but it was a bummer and it made me feel sad and, and powerless. That's um, <laughs> And that's why I'm excited to partner with today's sponsor, Aura. Aura is an identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, a password management uh, system, and antivirus software all combined into one easy-to-use app. Um, you might have one of these services already, but if you don't have all the tools, it's like locking the front door, but leaving the back door wide open. Those who have had their identity stolen like me are often shocked when it happens. I certainly was. Um, imagine trying to log into your email account one day only to see the password has changed hours ago and you start getting notifications of activity from your bank, credit cards, crypto accounts, etc. That is scary and unfortunately a reality for too many people. Thankfully, Aura monitors the dark web for your emails, passwords, and social security numbers and sends alerts fast right to your phone and email. Uh, literally, I sent up my Aura account and within a few minutes it had found my Aura or my password on the dark web like twice, like really fast. Um so definitely changing those around, but it it it, it works really quickly. Uh, does that scan? It also gives you near real time alerts on suspicious credit inquiries, like if someone was opening a loan or credit card in your name. Or as VPN allows you to stay anonymous online by keeping your browsing history and personal information safe and encrypted. You can protect your family and yourself from identity theft at aura.com slash foundation disc golf. Um, it's also linked below in the description. And if you sign up right now, Aura will give you a f- two week free trial with my link. Uh, so you can see for yourself how many times Aura finds you or your family members' personal info on the dark web. And if you sign up, let me know in the comments below if your personal information has been compromised. You won't regret checking. Um, yeah. So make sure you check out Aura. Use that link in the description. I'm confident that the dark web has a lot of my information from how many sketchy things I download for videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's where it all comes from. Yeah. All right. 
oh, I guess we're moving into trivia. Yep. <laughs> I guess that's my cue. Yeah. I'm like, say, it's, it's your, it's your, I'm uh, like uh, everybody's just being really quiet right now. <laughs> it's so weird when Hunter's not here in person. I'm prepping my brain for trivia, dude. Okay, so I've got, I got. I never know what trivia is going to be like, and I just always assume I'm really bad at it. No, so I've got kind of a reworking of a game I tried a long time ago, but oh, it's gosh. a lot different this time. Um, so basically, we're gonna look at the um. The UDISC World Rankings is the reference I'm going to be using. Oh, gosh. Uh, and the way this game is going to work is we'll start with we'll start with Hunter. Yes. And Hunter is going to name, um, or actually, I'll start I'll start with naming a player to make it easy, make it fair. And I'm going to give you Hunter the hundredth ranked player in the okay. world in the UDISC World Rankings. I'm going to give them to you, and then your goal is to name a player as close to below 100, but as close to 100 as possible. Below is in like higher, like 99th, 98th. Right, right. So yeah. you're going to try and name, you would try to name the 99th player. And if you name the 99th player, you'd get one point. And you want to have the least oh amount boy. of points possible. And then Connor's going to go, and he's going to try and name oh my gosh. the next one. And you're going to keep this going until suck. you get all the this way to one. Suck I'll bad. just name Ricky. <laughs> um, I, can, I think I can... Below fifty, if that's you, tough. If you name a player who is ranked, um, so let's say I give you the hundred ranked player, and Hunter accidentally gives me the player that's ranked one hundred three. For every point that you are above, you get double points, so even worse. Okay. Um, so we're Dang. gonna we're gonna start with the hundred ranked player, <sighs> and that be embarrassing. that is currently Scott Stokely, and I'm gonna throw it. He's hundred. Yep, I'm gonna throw it to Hunter to get that it started. Threw me for a loop because I wouldn't have known that. Sir Robinson. Ezra Robinson. <laughs> it might take me a little while to uh oh gosh, to I'm find terrified him right now. Oh my goodness. I think that Ezra Robinson might be ranked. I'm not seeing him here, so he may be ranked um higher oh than gosh. 100. Is he just not ranked? Is he just not ranked? Um Did I just win? <laughs> oh, that's the end of the game. <laughs> I still haven't seen his name yet. Oh gosh. If he shouldn't a, be that high. If he's higher You're looking for than Ezra Robinson, right? Yeah. If he's higher, okay. then I just have to name one player <laughs> in the top 100. I'm, <laughs> I'm literally still scroll. I scroll all the way to just not be ranked. I scroll all the way to 146 and did not see him. I'm just scroll gonna, up. I'm scrolling up and making sure that he's not sneaky in here. But like I just made it. To, I'm like in the top 50 now. I'm just trying to think of like names that really. Like I know. Oh no, here he is at 47th. <laughs> what the frick? <laughs> How good is he? So, He's that good? Um, that's going to go ahead and get, put you on no, the board with I mean, 53 points. Game. I think that's the game. Yeah. I think that literally statistically mean the game is over. All right. Um, so fun. what we're going to do is we're going to restart the game and oh, we're going to no. we're going to start at 50 and you can't say Ezra Robinson okay. and we're going to we're going to try and play again because clearly 100 was too difficult. Um, and this time we're going to have oh, who's I mean, give me a player. Give me the like 90th player in the world. Who's that? Uh, 90th is Silver Lot. So here, let me read the players from yeah, like, from, from ninety nine yeah. on. It's I would like Nate Perkins, Dustin Keegan, Zach Melton. Oh, I was actually going to say Nate Noah Fivish is in there. Tristan Tanner's in there. Reed Frasquera is in there. Yeah, AJ I mean, Carey. It is tough. Yeah, it's tough. We're going to start at fifty because it'll be pretty much like the game. It makes me feel good that you did that, Hunter, because sometimes you think of those names and like 
you either think, oh, well, they're bound to be in the top 50 and they're far from it, or you're like, oh, well, they're, they're bound to be way well, down there. But then well, obviously. Edwin Robinson, I just like, he doesn't tour that much. I'm surprised as thinking, well, Hunter. I'm surprised as well. I was not thinking he's a top 50 player. Like, he All definitely right. would have been a player. I would have been like, oh, I'll take him as my dark well, horse. 50th in the rankings is Thomas Gilbert. Connor, you're going to start this time, and you can't say Ezra Robinson because you okay. know where he is. Um, Dang, where is Brody right now? He, I know he was right on. Is he out of the top 50 right now or in it? Where is Yuli right now? Dang. <laughs> um, Just pick someone, man. Come on. All right. I'm going to go with... <laughs> Where's Casey White right now? I know the people that trickle between 50 and 49, but I don't you know the people... picked Casey White for Dark Horse last week. I did. You're right, but he like it's like week well, to week, somebody but he being, didn't win my Dark Horse. If so you pick somebody who 50. is like 51 or 52, that wouldn't be that bad of a pick. You know? I'll, right. give, you a, I'll gonna, give you a hand on Casey White. He didn't make the cut at Ledgestone. I'm going to so go... I would he moved up. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just going to go with... Where with Brody? Where's Brody right now? Brody's in forty first, so that gives you nine. That's, that's nine pick. points. It's okay. not bad. So that's, that's not, not bad. bad. That's not bad. And now it goes to Hunter. Okay. Because these first few picks are going to be tough, and then it's going to get easier. So this is a big pick for Hunter if he picks a good one here. Outside can... the top thirty here, but in the top forty, that's an impossible range. <laughs> um, I feel like there's got to be some sneaky players in there that you're like, how the frick are they there? Um, I'm going. Dang, no, I can't. He has to be higher than that. He has to be higher than that. Um, shoot, I don't want to say names either because I don't want Connor to think of people that yeah, I'm thinking. I've already of right got now. my next one. Well, that doesn't. Well, make you, who any is sense. this? <laughs> yeah, that, I'll, I'll let you know. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, I think well, um, well depending on where he. Yeah, goes. that's what I'm saying. Dang, this is very, very, very tough. I feel like. I feel like this, this doesn't. Impossible. I feel like this sounds a lot easier than it actually is. Well, it'll get easier once well, we get to like the top. I could, name, I could name a lot of players higher than forty first in the world. But you're trying but to say you, have to name, you don't want to go way higher. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think of like thirty eighth best player in the world right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'm trying to say like super close, and I just don't know if that's possible because like mm. you also don't know like a player like Isaac Robinson. It'd be very fair for him to be in that range, but he won. And so like, you don't know what you just does with that information. Like, are they, is he yeah. just like in the top 20 for no reason? Or like, where the frick is he? Um, same thing with like Alden Harris. So I'm going. Yeah. Where the frick is Alden Harris? A sir. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> this is impossible. This I'm just going to, okay. Chris Clemens. What the frick? Okay. Oof. Chris yeah. He's is, probably in like 60. Chris Clemens. Is, no, he's in 12. Oh, Oh, I just put. We were just arguing him for our top ten, Hunter. Yeah, Gosh, that's what idiot. I was thinking. <laughs> I don't know where. That, yeah, that was pretty dumb. Well, uh, the <laughs> other names rattling my mind were Eric Oakley and Greg Barsby. Um. Well, I think both. The game's over again. I lost again. The game's over. Yeah, I want. I want to ask. Barsby's in thirty first. That would have been a good pick. Where is Drew Gibson? Dang. Drew Gibson is pretty close to the top ten. Really? No, he's in sixteenth. Yeah, he's way up there. Okay. But and like I thought you were gonna say Isaac Robinson, which he would have been seventeenth. The best pick would have been Jeremy Colling in 40th. Uh, you also I had... I him. 
he was shockingly high. A you few had, weeks ago. yeah, that seems that seems kind of high to me. As Cole well. Radallin, Sepa Payu, Emerson Keith, Mason Ford, Presnell, Albert Tom. Those mm. would have been good picks as well. See, the issue is like with this game, you have to think of players that you haven't thought of all year. Yeah, it's very true. Very, yeah, very true. It's like Presnell, where the frick's Presnell been? He's been chilling. The only thing I remember about Presnell this year is the only thing I remember about Presnell this year is when someone tweeted about the best fairway driver and he said me, and I thought it was very funny. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, your best pick, your best like pick there would have been somebody like Ezra Aderhold because like he's in thirty. That's what I was gonna ask. Where is he? And like, cause, like How he is has Ezra in thirty because he hasn't won all year, and like he has some good finishes, but then he has some like bad ones, and he hasn't won. So like that's that's the guys you got to think of, the guys that have been kind of that's around. Wild. Yeah. Well, anyways, that's okay. We have a lot more to talk about, but Connor wins. Double win. Big <laughs> you know, I should have just, just picked just pick Ricky both times. <laughs> I, I would have had just the same success rate and would have been over way faster. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, Champions Cup, we had some story breaking. The PDGA listened to everyone who was yelling, and they've announced that 2023, the Champions Cup's going back to WR Jackson, and they're hoping that it's going to stay there forever. It seems they just have to work with the county to make sure that that can happen. But that seems to be the plan, which Heck I yeah. think is a great move uh, to see the PDJ listening to the players and the fans. WR Jackson's a perfect home for an event like this. Um, and the course deserves a major event there every year. Like, it was kind of a shame Yeah. whenever there, like, wasn't an event at WR Jackson. I'm, I'm okay with this. What this, I, what this means to me, because, like, I'm a fan of... I like some majors having just one course. I think that's cool. I mean, golf only has one like that, but I'm also a fan of the small rotation. So if Champions Cup is going to be at WR every year, I think that's fine. But I think that means I want to see at least, because you, we know US isn't going to rotate. No, World should be the rotating major. World mm, makes But sense. I think European should as well. I don't think we should have three Meh, majors that are all at the same course. I think they should have small rotations of like three to four courses. There's so many. My thing with the European Open is that course is obviously incredible. But there is so many good courses in Europe that we never get to see. So I think that it would be silly not to showcase them in that major. That's my that's my opinion on that. And I do I don't think that we should have three out of the four majors at the same course every year because that sets the sport up for failure when those courses become unavailable for whatever reason we can't just bank on them being around for 50 years so that that's yeah, i mean i know usdgc is obviously moving here right. in the next few years so that's there's no the, way around it that's what i'm saying but, um, i think that european open would be a cool rotating major because there is just so many cool courses in europe i think that's fine i mean i usdgc i think is kind of our which champions cup i guess now could be it's literally in augusta but our masters yeah um the champions cup i like because the we know the course is always going to be challenging um, we know it's the staff there can run a great event. Um, and they just, the only thing they have to figure out is logistics of more and more spectators there. Yeah. But now they have years and years to work on that and figure yeah. it out. So I think that they're gonna be able to accomplish that. Um, and the great thing about the champions cup is what gives it a different feel is the qualification process where you have to, right. I forget all the qualification, but one of the big things is win and it allows like some AMs into the event and stuff like that. I think that's what really separates the champions cup. So I really yeah. like it. Um, and I think WR Jackson is good because also there's no pro tour event at WR Jackson, so we don't right. have to worry about going to a course twice in one year like we did with D Glow and Toboggan or other courses that might have been considered. Yeah, I um, do I do like that, that it it'll be the only time we go to WR, which is cool. I, I I agree with you. You mentioned like now they have years and years to get it ready. What I would like to see now is so we have 
a course on a PDGA, like not their technically their property, but like you know their headquarters are there. Essentially, they know yeah. they know that course is going to be around. You know, it's not a temp course; it's permanent, and they know the major is going to be there. I want to see them elevate that course to a, just a different standard of like tidiness and and um, maintenance. Like that's what I want to see at yeah. WR Jackson because now they know that they could put the work in and it's going to be worth it for years to come. I want to see them like put that course in crazy good shape. Uh, but it's a great yeah. course, so I, I'm happy with that. And worlds, as far as worlds rotating, my personal opinion is like right now it's still like an open bidding process and wherever yeah you know gets bids whatever. Like some years I think it's literally just if a place bids for worlds and has a decent course that's it like there is no other option um i would like to see them just establish like a west coast midwest east coast rotation that'd be cool and maybe you have two courses in each location so you know you know every three years it's going to be close to a different demographic of players yeah um and then we go west coast midwest east coast and eventually as the sport grows possibly go overseas but i don't yeah. think the sport's there yet no because like european open big major you couldn't even get the current best player in the world chris dickerson out there right so like it was it's a tough look when there's the field can't travel yeah um and you're asking a smaller percentage of the field to come from you know finland and Europe over to the U.S. and you are asking the U.S. field to go over to Europe. Yeah, a possible idea is like a Canada or Mexico World Championship is possible. There's not there a was huge one in Canada way player back. demographic in the '80s, but um, yeah, there's not a huge player demographic, but that travel a is a lot more doable for players. Yeah, um, I, so it still gives you the international taste but yeah i like I, I like that the majors are starting to take shape i don't we i don't think we've heard more about the european open but i hope that they keep it i hope they do it every year um yeah that's the only thing with the european because like it's like it's gonna suck if like okay next year we only have three majors and the year after that we're back to right four. that's what i'm saying i want to see the majors finally settle in um you know the champions cup i think has a great start you know the qualification process is cool um, and I think that playing a WR is a good choice. No, it's a, that's a great course. Um, so I think that there's a great start going on with the way the majors are going. So if they can just do Europe every year, which they should be able to do, I don't know why they wouldn't, um, you know, then, then I think we have a, we're actually kind of getting to a good spot. Worlds is the only one that's a little bit like, doesn't quite have an identity other than the title. Um, but yeah, we'll, which we'll, it, does, it is five rounds every year. I mean, even I got to own up to this. I thought I, for some reason, was under the impression that Greg Barsby won through four rounds. Yeah, we, we did. We talked. Yeah, we talked about this the other week, how we like were. He won through five. I'm like, I'm what the yeah. frick am I talking about? Barsby deserves that. Um, But Worlds hasn't been Worlds being five rounds. I think that is part of its identity. Like it, it's harder to win because there is an extra round. I also think that Worlds should always go to. I think Worlds should always be at two courses one open and one more technical and wooded so that it truly challenges. I think that should be world's identity is like it like truly that. challenges every aspect of a player's game. Yeah, I like that. I think it should rotate so that it constantly has like, there's like, like I said, six courses or so it rotates between demographics. It's five rounds across two very hard courses. And, um, yeah, you have the four rounds and then a cut in the finals. And it I is, think that, that <laughs> works out. It is funny how, how, uh, disc golf has like literally mirrored, golf so closely now because literally you have 
our U.S. Open, which is the hardest, most technical, frustrating course on the planet. That's the same way they treat the U.S. Open in golf. You have mm-hmm. the Champions Cup, which, it, like the Masters, will probably stay at that course forever and is literally in Augusta practically. So, like, you have that. You have the European Major, which, like, the, really the only thing about that is you have the European weather. Is But it's, I mean, it's a little different the time of year that the disc golfers play over there and it's not um in the uk like it is with golf but mm-hmm. you have a european major and then you have worlds which is like the pga championship which kind of is trying to find its identity so it's very funny how like it is now with the champions cup being practically in augusta it's it's quite funny how it's like mirrored it it's like the week after yeah it's pretty it's honestly it's pretty great i mean i love it though love because it. it has it does it definitely like wr jackson that's what i was saying like if they just they need to make that course like mystical to play. Like they need to make they need to take that course to the next yeah. level with the way they treat it and just make it like make it our Augusta National and then that will take that major to the next level cuz like when the players are going there and you feel like it is like this you know, getaway. So it has like the perfect location. It has that feel of like you drive through the park and it's just tucked back there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they have the tools there. They, I just really want to see them just put another level of like, I mean the T signs there, for example, like they're just these little wooden signs, like, you know, like just do the little things and then, you know, really take care of the grounds. Um, and that would be cool for that course. Yeah. Well, WR, I mean, the good thing too, is it already has history. Yeah. Like you already, there's already champions crowned on that that course and stuff like that yeah. going way back. The Hall of Fame's there. So like the grounds there already has is so rich in disc golf history that it just makes so much sense for a major to be there every year. And this is the second time with this tournament that the PDGA has listened to the players and fans. It's so true. props to them um, because yeah. they changed the format and now they've changed the location. Um, yeah. And they've both been changes for the better. So props to the PDGA for, for both those changes. Um, the other thing from the PDGA... <laughs> that uh, came out is Nico LeCastro's suspension has been announced. This is from Ulti World posted on August 9th. Nico yeah. LeCastro has been suspended for nine months by the PDGA's disciplinary committee for a class A infraction following an altercation with the rules marshal at the 2022 European open. Um, I'm interested to hear your opinion with, on this Hunter. Well, it's been met with mostly like open arms. Like, yeah, that makes sense, but somewhat mixed reactions from the disc golf world. Ulti world actually put out a, yeah. an opinion piece titled, why Nikola Castro's suspension is unjust and far I, too long. I, I read it. And my it cha- biggest argument... It changed my opinion. It changed, it changed your opinion. Yeah. Fascinating. Because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, their biggest argument was mainly due to loss of income and then comparisons to other sports, right? Um, Kind of. In it, he that literally was part says, of it. Like, he literally said in it, like... It, if I did that at a C tier, it would make sense. But yes, yes, that, that was a big part of his argument was the overarching idea that this this um, suspension applies to people that are playing at their local parks and people that are making their living from the sport. That was his big argument. He he then also took the the amount of money that he was losing in income and compared it to actions. About eighty grand is what he estimated. Right, eighty. I think he had eighty six five was his final number, and he compared that to okay, what would I have to do in other sports to get a fine of that size, basically. Mm. Um, so my my but that that, that, that idea doesn't really work because like if you suspend Paul for nine months, it doesn't affect his income right. because he has a million dollar yeah. a year thing. No, my, if you suspend Lance Brown for nine months, he might only lose like whatever his PDGA income is. You know what I'm right. saying? So like you can't use the number because he wasn't fined. So you can't treat it as a fine. Well, but you can treat it as a complete loss of income though for 
for you can't you can treat it as a player. It's there. Okay, so you can treat it. But you as, can't use the numbers. What I'm saying because no, the number is so relative. Well, regardless regardless of the number, you can say that mo- the way those rules were made, when they were made, and whatever. It applies to players who are playing casually in their tournaments, whatever. But then you can't use the same set of rules, I don't think, for a player who is doing it for their living. Um, I think that there there needs to be a unique because, like, when I, it, when I disagree with that statement. Really, you you think that what Nico what Nico did deserves like what at the end of the day what he did he deserves to lose a year's worth practically of his income for that. I, I didn't say that. I said I disagree that they should be treated differently. I think that what you do at a B tier, C tier, and what the pros do, like that, I I think it makes sense that the suspension's the same. Mm, but I th- I think the punishment should be. Di- I think well, really, what I what I really think is it should probably be a Where fine structure. Where you draw the line as a pro? Because I'm technically a pro in the PDGA. Okay, so well then, my suspension well, then they different. should make them all, maybe then the maybe then they should make them all less harsh then because here's the problem. The problem That's is fine. when you're punishing a player who is an amateur or a local pro or whatever, who's not depending on it for a living, you're punishing them because the only, and this, he, he said this in the, in the Ulti Word article, the only thing that you can use against that player to punish them is to take away you being able to play competitively because you can't really say, oh, I'm going to impact your income. That's going to be the harsh punishment. Well, that's not the goal of the PDGA. Wasn't, it's not to impact his income. Because if Clash Disc would have kept him on in Gateway, right? It, then the estimate, it, Gateway did keep him on, but the it's estimate what, wouldn't change because 25% is the income. But it doesn't affected. change that that's what happened, and that points to the fact that there probably needs that's to be not a the change. PDGA's fault. That's not the PDGA's fault. What do you mean it's not the PDGA's fault? The PDGA didn't say, hey, Clash Disc, you got to drop him. No, 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 not that. I, Clash Disc dropped him before the PDGA even said his suspension. His suspension could have been for two weeks and clash this would have still dropped him which would have still affected his income still gonna, the rest of the year he's still going to lose a ton of money just not playing at pdga sanctioned events 20 grand is yeah. estimated that's 20 a lot grand. of money for what he did in disc that's golf a lot less than 86 though yes but so you can't he, use the 86 i don't figure. i don't think if i watched nico get up in his face like that and you said yeah we're gonna slap him with a twenty thousand dollars whole thing though that's not the whole thing more happened after the camera was off i regardless of what he did twenty thousand dollars no way that's just no way not that's for not a fine. You're looking at it as a fine. It's not a fine. Yes, but it's the. I'm he's saying like, that the oh, way that the PDGA suspension, grand. the way that it applies to pro players, it's going to be a fine almost for every time because there is earnings earned by players at PDGA sanctioned event. Anytime you suspend that player, it's going to be treated as a fine. It, like every single time, no matter who you suspend, they are going to lose. Be treated as a fine in their the way it's going to impact them. So assuming you're also assuming that Nico's going to cash at all the events over the next nine months. What he's, if he didn't? Well, he's, he didn't get fined at all then. He's gonna, first of all. And second of all, know, you, you can't... That, that, I'm just saying that's why you can't treat it as a fine because you don't, you don't know what he lost. He could have lost two grand. But you can't treat it as a fine. He's losing the opportunity to make money. So, it is, so then it is sure. a fine. <laughs> so like, but I'm just saying... The 80 that, grand number that it came from, that's sponsors. And sponsors dropped him before, this, before the suspension yes, was made public no. at all. I'll, all I'm saying is the PDJ rules... The PDGA did nothing wrong in the sense that they acted by their guidelines. So in that exactly. sense, I don't have a problem with what the PDGA did. I, I'm fine with the suspension they gave him because they went to their guidelines, they took what was written, and they applied it correctly. I agree with that wholeheartedly. That is fine. What I'm saying is I think it needs to be revisited because I think that nine months is... 
pretty rough. I think it's pretty rough. That's that's that's. Well, we also have to remember that. Yeah, the I agree that it can be relooked at. Um, the PDGA though within their guidelines, like they could have went twenty four months, so yeah, they were very no, light. No, and like I said, um, what what the way they applied their rules is fine, and I think that they're not catching very much slack because they have it written in. Like what Nico did is literally in their textbooks, in their rule books, and then their suspension length is also in those rule books. So what they did at the end exactly. of the day, I have no problem with, and I also. Like Nico knows that's in the rule books, right? So like, yeah. Nico, that's what I'm we can't put the the no blame on the PDG. No, like, the, I'm not blaming them. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is, because this is a the first time, this is like this is a kind of an unprecedented situation. I think it's time to look at the structures. I, I for mean, punishment. it happened with Bradley Williams again, and they did look at it and restructured it. It happened with him. What? It happened with Bradley Williams a few years back. Yeah, but that this was is, this is the restructured rules. Right, I think it needs, well. It was different with Bradley Williams because he wasn't making nearly as much money off the tour as Nico is. Um, but that's what I'm saying. You can't. You can't look at this. Isn't a. This isn't a fine. You can't look at the money. It's a player because losing a chance to make money months. though for nine months. But nine so, month suspension goes over the off season. So what? What? How do you factor loss of income there? Okay, I for a certain amount like of you time. Can't, you can't look at money. You can't look at money. I said what I said. Okay, I think they need to revisit it. I can look at money because I, I the player is going to lose money. money. The player is going to lose money 99% of the time, so I can look at the money. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but he, he's not fined. If the PGA no, was fined he's not, he's not fined. He is suspended, in which case he will lose chance to make money for a long time. Sure. So that is... Sure. So, but I'm saying so I can look, based on the money. So I can look at the money, not a certain dollar amount. I agree. You are, can't, you still, are you just as upset if it's someone who never cashes at a pro, at pro tour events but plays them all? Am I, what do you mean? My just, just as was said. I well, I don't think it's just. I don't as, think. I don't think, think it's just. I don't think it would have gotten my attention as much. But that's that doesn't change the fact that I think the rules need revisited. I think that it took a specific example with a player that makes a good amount of money playing disc golf to make me realize that oh, they should probably revisit the rules. So yeah, yeah I personally, I think that the tour card should be the separator. I think that the Pro Tour should have these rules and not the PDGA, and I think it should be a fine. So yeah, it's the I, same across the board. I think what could that's come, where I think it should be. Right. I think but, what it, I think it does come down to PGA that. Thing, it's got to be this I, because also if this happened at a local tournament, I want that guy suspended for nine months. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to define the line. There's no way to draw a line between a touring pro and right. a local player right now right. within well, the PDGA. Well, when so I, I don't think it can be changed. Right. When I when I say revisit, I'm kind of what I'm meaning by that is yes, what you're saying. Like I think that there needs to be, and we've said this a lot, but there needs to be a difference between the touring pro and how they're treated and what's expected of them, and the the punishments for them versus the local pro. So that I agree with that because like I, I would rather see a fine structure. I. I think suspensions are a unique thing that are should be for more like very severe incidents um, where it's like, yeah, that guy just needs to be away from the tour. And maybe Nico did need a small suspension of some sort, but I do. I would rather see fines, I think. And I think fines would get yeah, I think fines, more attention. Fines are where it needs to be. The tough part is you're still on a line of like a player like Nico could have afforded a fine. A player of ran, like pick a random player who's not cashing might not have been able to afford a fine. And so now by putting that fine and being like, hey, you can't play a PDJ event until you come up with yeah. whatever the fine is. Because the fine needs to be substantial enough that it's not like like when Mark Cuban was fined 15 grand for saying the F word and he just drops the F word again because he's like, that's funny. Who cares? It can't just be like a little, you right. know, oh, that's inconsequential 20 bucks. Yeah, well, what, what the frick? I'm doing that again next week. But it also can't be so much that it's like, 
Nico gets a bill for seven grand and is like, I can't pay that. Well, and now it's not a suspension. It's I'm never be able to play disc golf again. Yeah. Well, the problem is that does happen in every sport because it is relative. Like when LeBron James gets a fine versus a rookie who is just like sure. just on a rookie sure. minimum contract, like you have the exact same scale, just have more money. So fine. you just have to figure it out. There's no like, perfect there, system for this. Scale. Well, yeah, I just think the scale in NBA, if you find 10 grand, everyone in the NBA can at least afford it. And it's a big enough number that like, yeah, LeBron doesn't give two care, two rips about it, but enough players are affected by it. That number in disc golf though, might legitimately be like a hundred bucks and like, what's well, a hundred dollar fine. I think it'd be like $500. I think a $500 fine is enough to get. That might be. Yeah. But it's still, it's a weird, it's a weird line, but where the PDJ is now, like they had to take action. They had to yeah. do something. No, and within their rules, they gave him a light sentencing. Yeah, so like, no, to me, I, at the end, nine months makes sense. When, and the way the timing wise, like majority of it is in the off season. Yeah. So he's really not really missing that much. No, when it when it came out, I was not upset at all. And I'm still at the end of the day, I'm not like the like I said, the PDGA acted completely within their guidelines. So I don't think that anybody can be upset at the PDGA because Nico knew the rules, he knew the punishment chances, and he still did it. So and we have to remember we didn't see the whole situation because there was more that happened off camera that's been verified by several people. And when the PDJ came to him, he, didn't, he refused to cooperate yeah. with no, them after. So he, it's he, beyond just the one thing. He did get what was coming to him. I, I all I'm saying is I think it's just another, you know, straw to where we need to start differentiating the rules for touring professionals versus non-touring professionals well yeah and it all starts with you need to define the line with a pro with the tour you need to find the line who's a touring professional yeah that's where it starts yeah no i I, Um, that's that's also came out against the suspension uh he posted on his instagram nine months for a first time offender question mark which means that's a questionable start there yeah that's that's a very dumb i mean literally compilations of him doing this (laughs) yeah i get where he's technically a first time offender but at the same time he's not yeah. uh paul said i understand the situation could have been handled differently but to claim intimidation as an offense seems off to me the official doesn't step back like someone who's intimidated he also uh, he also stares oh the player gosh. down instead of trying to defuse the situation that's the worst professional officials should know that players stress levels are elevated when competing in all sports so why instigate the issue i hope nico appeals the situation from what i saw it's a class c at most at pdga that's so true things all professional um, athletes as babies yeah well uh, two things one uh, we didn't see everything. So, A. B, I felt that the official handled it very well, I personally. Know. The official didn't escalate anything. He didn't anything. do anything to escalate. And, for, and my, he also wasn't staring him down, like, puffing his chest. Yeah. He was walking away, still looking he's at Nico, probably, probably thinking, what the yeah, frick just happened? puzzled. And number three, um, just because somebody doesn't get intimidated doesn't mean you aren't trying to intimidate them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that does, it doesn't say well, in yeah, the PDJ it, rules, oh, intimidation, but they have to actually be intimidated. <laughs> like I'm that, impressed yeah. with how well he handled that. That just cracks me up. Like, yeah, he like, did you watch? Like, it's like, did you watch what he just did? Like, it was like a joke. Well, imagine if he did that to a player. Yeah. Like, imagine if he did that to another player on like, the card. It yeah. was like, su- it was such a joke. Like trying to defend that is just like it's what silly happened to me. off yeah. camera, Hunter? What was the more? Like all they said is that he wouldn't comply, know. basically. Like, okay. he wouldn't, well, like, discuss it, well, it. Allegedly, I've heard that his caddy had to kind of pull him away from the official. Dang. As it continued to escalate. Oh. Well, then so I he yeah. just got more, he just got a little more aggressive. Well, he got more heated. And then after the round, the PDGA came to him before he was, before he was de- uh, DQ'd from the event, wanting, like, a more explanation, what's going on, and he wouldn't talk to them. He wouldn't cooperate. Yeah. So when you pour it all together, like... 
there's a lot more to the story than the 20 second clip we saw of him going why 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 and then walking over to the guy when yeah. the camera cuts that was it's not like the camera cut and he's like oh the camera's off all right sick all right, yeah. i'm back to normal like it, it yeah. there's more to it yeah um but this sparked a brody tweet where he said just saw the screenshot gotta say it's a pretty bad take paul Fair, I mean, that's a, that's a fair tweet, but given mm-hmm. Brody and Paul's history, uh, it obviously led to some fans pointing out Brody coming after Paul and saying they thought Brody was going to leave Discraft. And then, Paul, you got to give some points to Paul here. He did kind of dunk on Brody when he said, he has me blocked, but I hope he stays, talking about Discraft. I like the fact that he has to throw Dis with my name on it. That's a, I mean, you, you, that, that made me pretty, laugh. That's pretty, pretty good. That got me there. <laughs> you know what's funny, though, is when I thought about it, um, I actually don't think that Brody has a single disc with Paul's name on it in his bag. He definitely doesn't anymore. <laughs> no, I don't think he. I don't think he ever did. No, he never threw PM line, and all of his buzzes yeah. have the dark horse stamp on it. Yeah, but, he oh, but I mean, it's the tooled. Buzz is, it's tooled though. Mold. Yeah, it's tooled yeah. on the inside. Is no the pu- buzz isn't. Oh, is yeah, it? no, buzz, isn't it? no. So technically, no, because so he doesn't. Te- he doesn't throw PM line. No, so technically, he doesn't have anything with Paul's name on it in his bag. Still yeah. very funny. But, uh, very uh, funny tweet though. Yeah, it's still a very funny tweet because like the zone is technically a Paul line it's just brody throws get freakies so it just yeah. has a different stamp and the buzz is a paul line brody just throws brody stamped ones um and i don't know if brody throws the avenger ss anymore but similar thing there so like and the force brody throws the heck out of the force so you get the you get the gist but um gist. this obviously led to the whole world disc golf world speculating on the brody and paul beef uh and from what i understand brody's planning on explaining it on debate night tomorrow night um, but be prepared to be underwhelmed if I'm being completely honest, cause it's really not that big of a deal. Brody actually tweeted and said he apologized for getting caught up in high school drama, which I think is the perfect way to, to kind of describe, describe it all. Um, but everyone, every time something like this happens, I think people just think it's some huge thing that's going to shake up yeah. the disc golf world and make everyone hate one person or hate the other. But reality is like things happen between friends and people don't always stay friends. Um, and most of the time, the reason behind that just isn't that interesting. Uh, but people also seem to not believe me I mean, or us when I talk about the Paul leaving foundation post. Like, yeah, that dude, was truthful, get, but it was. Getting, people are getting mean at me, man. I, I'm, like, posting my my yeah. show on YouTube, and everybody's commenting, like, stop avoiding it. You know what you want. <laughs> yeah, I'm like... like I'm not avoiding Paul, anything. I have a show. Look at this way. Paul literally was in the office last week showing us, A, the Athena, which, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't know how much I'm supposed to know about the disc, but it's going to be pretty sick. It's probably going to my bag, if I'm being honest. And um, showing us, showing off his like 18 hole golf scorecard at Colonial Hills. What did he, he shot shoot? like an 80, I think he shot, he's in the 80s. He was okay. in 84, wasn't it? Uh, okay. As long he's as somewhere in there. Yeah. And he hadn't touched, 80. he hadn't touched clubs in, he hadn't touched clubs in a while. So, uh, yeah. Um, but, anyways. And like like I said, I'm gonna let Brody address what happened between him and Paul. But I think the situation, I think it'll make sense. But don't expect to like watch debate night and then walk away like raising pitchforks, hating Brody or hating Paul, and having to choose which one to root for on tour. I mean, I'm literally, I was I'm in the midst of everything going on, and I still root for root for both of them on tour. So like, if I can, you can. It's not that big of a deal when it's all said and done. Um, and it's just not as big of a deal as the disc golf world wants it to be. But I get where people, you know, always, I, the, the whole reason Brody's even going to address it is because so many people are like trying to start rumors of like, and what really gets messy, this happened, you know, with other stuff with foundation previously is people start bringing the wives into it. And like, obviously that like Kelsey and Hannah had so nothing annoying. to do with it. Uh, mm-hmm. And you have to like, that's when you have to nip it in the bud because it's like, you don't want people to smear either of their names or it, Brody yeah. or Paul's name in relation to their wives when it's like, no, I can literally shut everyone up in like two two seconds. It's not a big deal, but isn't it funny people how, wanted to be? 
it's funny how everybody like comes after us for being the TMZ of disc golf when we don't even do that. But then all they want from us is to be the TMZ of disc golf. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. make up your well, mind, a, people. Someone, someone called us a t- like this whole situation. I would be licking my chops if I was TMZ because Very like, TMZ. I mean, there's so many, there's rumors swirling. I mean, I could yeah. sit here and just like rattle off a bunch of rumors and the same thing happens with other players. Like there's plenty of stuff I hear off the course that we could bring in, but the difference is, and where people got the TMZ thing, right, was my whole Ricky contract leak. That's not TMZ. No, that That's was, just sports that media. Was sports journalism TMZ, right there. Yeah, TMZ would be if I was talking about what, uh, just give me a random player so I don't throw someone's name in the hat. Um, Eric Oakley, because we love him. If I was talking what Eric Oakley did, you know, off the course, you know, oh, Eric Oakley was out partying until 2 a.m. Here's pictures Dang, of him Eric. leaving the club. Who's he with? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's TMZ. Uh, that's not what we do, because who the heck wants to do that? Like, no, that's very annoying high school drama. Like, I hate stuff like that. Um, and this would be very much within TMZ, which is why I hate talking about it, because, like, this is very childish, stupid stuff. But Brody will address it on debate night, you know, air it out there. Um, and like I said, don't expect to walk away, like, hating someone or anything like that, because it's... It's not as big of a deal as the disc golf world wants it to be, unfortunately for the disc golf world. But I did think I, I got to give props to Paul because Paul doesn't tweet very often. But when it he does, like if him. he's tweeting at someone, he's got some he's got some fire one liners. That was good. It was a good one. It was. Yeah, that was that was a solid tweet. Brody even gave him props for it. Brody was like, "Yeah, that's. I mean, you can't come back. Like, what, what are you gonna what do you say back to that? You can't." <laughs> it was a pretty good tweet. Uh, the final thing as we wrap up the show. It's been a long show. Um, yeah, a lot to talk about. Almost two hours. Almost two hours, yeah. Uh, I got early access. We all did, but I, I got early access to the Fierce documentary, which is now publicly available. Um, so I sat down and watched it at the beginning of the week, and overall, I was impressed. It was better better than I expected. Um, so let me ask you. I definitely you. think it was the best... Okay, yeah, I think you're, I, I was about to because like I was I was actually about to watch it this weekend, and I was like, you know what? I think it would actually be funnier if I let Hunter try and like sell it to me on the podcast. So my first question would be, this is like the, it has to be, answer this question first. Is it the best disc golf documentary ever made? That's what I was about to say. Production I, the best quality one I've wise. Seen. I haven't watched all of them. Yes. Production okay. quality, definitely. Okay. Even the storyline, the story behind it, like there were some moments where it jumped off and it was like, that's kind of, oh. like we weren't done with this topic or whatever. It jumped all over the place a little bit, but that's being very nitpicky because it didn't really. Okay. It was very good about like transitions and stuff um, between topics to make sure you understood. The fi- first 15 to 20 minutes were a little slow because they were kind of getting a non-disc golf audience up to speed on disc golf, yeah. which, which makes sense for what they wanted the, you know, everything to be. Um, but the rest of it was pretty solid because it gave you a behind-the-scenes look not only into like Paige and what was going on that season, but also the growth of FPO with Paige at the forefront of it. Um, so they had some players like Des Redding, Valerie Jenkins... Uh, oh, and stuff like that open up about stuff that used to happen that wasn't really fair in FPO yeah. and how mm-hmm. Paige kind of like shattered those stereotypes and similar to what Paul did in for disc golf in general where there's like this barrier and then one player just like breaks through it and then allows all this opportunity for other players um, it was kind of showing an example of how Paige did that about biggest one being like women not being able to move discs and I don't want to spoil it but hearing Val talk about some of her experiences and Des Redding with Innova and stuff like that's what really got me going. I was like, man, this is a freaking, this is freaking great stuff right here. Yeah. Um, that's cool. That was, so, that was the next thing I was going to ask yeah. you was like, 
did you feel like you saw and heard a lot of things that you hadn't before? Because like, if it was just going to like replay stuff that I already saw, then I didn't really care as much. But if you yeah, heard, no, just... go ahead. It, it was stuff that it was, it wasn't stuff that I personally hadn't heard before, but the generic disc golf audience, I don't think had heard a lot of stuff that was in it. And okay. it definitely gave you a lot more behind the scenes. Like it, it also showed a different side of page where like, you know, there was moments where she was just breaking down in her van. There was moments where she told the camera crews, like, hey, get away from me. I don't want to be filmed right now. And, like, there was a lot of emotion in it. That's cool. Um, that is cool. So, like, it's worth the watch if you have access to it. But with that all being said, if I wasn't in disc golf media, if I was just a disc golf fan, I don't think I would have paid $12 to watch it. Um, okay. I would have been very happy if me and, like, two or three friends split it and we all paid, like, three or four bucks. Um, or if I had access to DGN, I only had to pay six bucks and I split that with a friend. Um, it just $12. When you look at the scope of what you can get media wise for $12, right? It's a month of Netflix for 12 bucks. I think Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like when you, when you look at that price and you don't look at it, it's like, like what you're, you're, if you watch it and you aren't like, all right, 12 bucks, it's better live up. If you just watch it, it's very, very good. I mean, it's like a, if it's I like was a just browsing movie on ticket. something. 12, 12 bucks. Yeah, if like, I was just brow- if it was just on the Disc Golf Network and I got it with my subscription, I'd be like, this is incredible. I, I don't, I'm going to be curious, A, how many people actually pay 12 bucks or six bucks to watch it, and B, how that affects people's opinions of it. Cause like yeah. I didn't have to pay to watch it because we right. got early access as media. Good point. So like my opinion was able to just be, I'm sitting down and just watching this. Had I paid $12, I would have had a different mindset. Um, it's similar to like the USDGC pay per view for me, where I think if they would have had it like, four dollars non-subscriber two dollars subscribers they probably would have made a lot more money and had better numbers to take to streaming platforms because like that's a such a low barrier to entry where it's gonna be a lot easier if i'm like hey dude if i pay four bucks like you want to come over and watch it we'll both pay two bucks to watch this thing yeah then there is no expectation of like i paid 12 bucks like especially in today's economy with like you know everything going on we're in a little bit of a recession or whatever then 12 bucks means a lot more to people than 12 bucks did a little right. while ago so like you're looking at 12 bucks and it's like this thing better be freaking good and it puts unnecessary expectations on it that yeah. I, I it was very good it was better than i expected i just think 12 dollars is too high of a barrier to entry personally i think it sets people up for disappointment and mm. i think it's holding back the numbers which is what they want of x amount of people paid to watch this I think you're getting a lot more numbers if it was like a $4, $2 bark or something like that. And like I said, I think you're more likely to, I think it's, I think you would have easily gotten three times people paying at $4 than $12. Because yeah. like $4 just seems like, oh shoot, especially if you need it like $3.99. I'm like, oh, that's nothing. Game time. $11.99, I'm sitting there, I'm like, ah. Yeah, that definitely takes I mean, it's a lot. A whole new disc. It's like, oh, I could, you know, I could pay this or I could go like buy lunch. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a I tough mean, twelve dollars. That would get you like a tank of gas. You could buy or like a, you could sorry, buy a, a gallon of gas. You could buy a disc for twelve dollars. <laughs> you could buy a disc for no, 12 exactly. Bucks. Like, yeah, it's like, do I want another putter or am yeah, I watching this documentary? It's very true. Good it's point. a it's a tough line, but overall, if you are someone who's like super interested in it and you're thinking like, I have Disc Golf Network, should I pay six bucks? Like, you know, I think if you watch it, you're going to like it. I think it's a good behind the scenes look into a lot of stuff. Like I said, I'm not going to spoil a lot, but it goes into a lot of like why Paige is the way she is, like why she's so determined and also gives a better understanding of like Paige isn't just doing this all for Paige, but like this is what Paige is doing for the FPO field uh, and gives a lot of perspective on that and like the growth of the sport in general through Paige's eyes. 
Um, I think that's what makes the storyline where when she lost Worlds, yes, it still was like, hmm, that sucks. But it kind of drew emotion out of you to where you like, because of how long, it's like an hour, 47 minutes, the whole buildup to that moment when she lost, it like made you re-feel emotions of like, oh, dang, that really sucks. That's you know great. what I'm saying? That's like, cool. Versus it could have just been like, oh, this whole thing was pointless. Like the storyline was much bigger than just the season leading up to Worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the storyline wasn't broken by Worlds, her not winning Worlds. Um, it almost like left you like wanting more because now she's hungrier mm. for the next year almost. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think it was very solid, but like I said, $12 is just too high. That, that's what it comes down that to. Was a, that was a day. very comprehensive review right there. Yeah. I'm proud of you. I, I'm, you. I'm interested in watching it. Yeah. I'll yeah. probably get to watch it. You definitely, you definitely should watch it. Uh, it's definitely worth it. But there you go. That's the show. Uh, is there a preview? Yes. Des Moines is this weekend. Yep. Des Moines. We will have a preview. Des Moines. The question is, does Des Moines start on a... I believe it starts on Friday. So it'll be... A, I'll pull it up. It'll be a Thursday preview. Then. Is this about to be the longest in the nineteenth? It's just about, but I mean, hey, dude, I was gone for what I missed. Yeah, one we had a lot to talk about. So thir- Thursday yeah. will be the uh, preview show. Thursday, cool. Thursday's the preview show, uh, uh, and then next week I should be back in studio. I should be back. Sick, heck, that's yeah. the plan. Sick, I can't wait. Good times. All right, that's it. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>